Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Andrew Bartram, Eric Mathy, Nick Davis, um, better known as the 120th off of the YouTubes. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Simon. Hello, Eric. Simon. <laughs> there, was a, there, was a, there was a delay there. We, you know, we, it's been about six weeks since we've done this now, so we, you're a little bit rusty there. And, uh, hello, and hello, Nick. Hello, Simon. It's been great to be back. As I said, we've been away for what six weeks or so. So it's uh, we we took August off. We, you know, we we did two podcasts, I think, in July, and uh, and we just didn't do August at all. Um, we needed a break after so the last month. So uh, we're 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 back now, and uh, and we're back with a guest. And as I've already said, we've got Nick with us, who's better known uh, from his YouTube channel, the the One Twentieth. Um, and uh, I've wanted to get Nick on for, for quite a while, and uh, and then in particular now Nick has, um, as you might as the name of his YouTube channel uh, might give a clue there is uh, a bit of a one twenty uh, camera guy, um, but. To be fair, I don't know if he's if he's going to be wondering whether that that name is actually uh, pigeonholing or, or or not. But uh, he's doing he does stuff on thirty five mil one twenty, and more to the point, he's been doing doing, doing quite a bit of large format uh, of late. And um, yeah, the ch- the channel is increasingly inaccurately named for sure. Yeah. So uh, so. Talking about those, uh, well, actually, no, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. I actually met Nick uh, last year uh, at the Analog Spotlight, which was in in Worcester, um, and uh, we Worcester, Worcester. With you guys, you you would Worcester. know it as Worcester. Yes, Worcester. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank so, you. Uh, Thank you for the translation, Nick. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. No okay. do, do you get the sauce in America, Eric? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worcester, yeah. What do you call it? Do you call it Worcester sauce? Worcester, Worcester, Worcester sauce. He's just no, doing Worcester that for sauce. you. He's saying Worcestershire. That's it. That's got to be the way to say it, surely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like aluminum, aluminium. <laughs> I don't even. Worry. We shouldn't even go there. We'll spend the rest of the, the entire time making fun of. You've been watching my videos. L O U R instead of color, like allure. Anyway, you'll be fancy with your names. It's fine. I've, I've got to say, I know I'm only I'm halfway through this introduction, which has gone horribly wrong already. Um, which is <laughs> the reason why I tend not to do introductions. Yeah. Um, well, you've only but, had um, you've only had four false starts, Simon. Why don't you yeah. just rewind and do a fifth? No, we're not we're not doing no. this again. No, this is only my second time. This is only this, this, the second time I've this. Is, but um, well, you just meant with Eric just mentioned alum, aluminium or aluminium, whichever. Um, we we actually got a sneak preview. Of um, of Nick's latest video, uh, which is which has not come out, although chances are by the time this video uh, this podcast goes live, it will have gone out. And and Nick has has used the most remarkable pronunciation of that word I think I've ever heard. Um, and he's he's managed to bridge the gap uh, between aluminum and aluminium all in one go. Um, and I I couldn't I cannot hope to. And I don't know if Nick is capable of actually repeating the pronunciation he came up with. <laughs> I don't know. What, what did I say? I don't remember now. I, I can't even check the video. I, I Al- aluminium. So, aluminium. So, so, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, that's cool. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I normally do both because my viewers, there's a, a large proportion of them are from the States. 
Um, and so I do have to make a bit of an effort to give all weights and measures in, in kilos and pounds. And if I ever say aluminum or aluminium, I have to then say aluminum to make sure that you guys understand. I don't want to lose everyone, you know, it's an extra letter. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain that there are people out there who are just like, yeah, that's I've never it. aluminium. <laughs> I've never heard of it. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, what is this <laughs> crap? Yeah, yeah probably. Kilograms bar. <laughs> so um, back 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 onto that introduction. Where, where were you then? Um, I have no idea where I was anymore. So I, th I think I think on that basis, I think I've come to the end of the introduction. And uh, let's let's have a chat to Nick, who you've already heard several times now, which is good. Mm. And um, so 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 Nick, I think uh, we'll we'll do the the tried and tested. Um, because nobody's really come up with a better way of doing this, um, to say, well, who are you, Nick? And uh, what you about? Where, how, how did you get here? All, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll punctuate that with questions to put you off. You know what? That's um, a very difficult question. I don't know what I'm doing here, uh, Simon, between you and I. Um, all the other guests that you have on this podcast uh, are kind of inspiring in their um, endeavours and in their talent and in their you know vast experience uh so yeah i'm not too sure where i fit in there because um i have none of those um i am just... now 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 <laughs> no i don't think i mean that's not how i position myself on the on on the channel and it's not it's not how i am and basically that my youtube channel is just me doing stuff trying stuff kind of trying to figure out what the hell i'm doing um and i know that i, I get a lot of good feedback which is nice. Um, and a lot of people do say that um, they find, you know, watching me kind of fumbling my way through uh, large format uh, and other uh, photography things, they do find it, you know, in, it encourages them. I want to say inspire, that's the wrong word, because I think, you know, when you're inspired by somebody, you kind of look up to them and think, oh, but at least watching me screw stuff up uh, makes other people think they can do it. Um, so, that's kind yeah, of you know, with you. yeah. Actually, that that reminds me of something <laughs> I, I did actually want to, want to, want to say because you your your videos mm. they are um, you you come you come across as a very sensible, level headed guy, <laughs> but quite clearly that's the, that's the editing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you, you that's get, a TV you, professional coming. Yeah, to the exactly. <laughs> Well, you get a new piece of equipment, whatever that mm. might be, and before you've really understood what it is that you've got, you go out and, and go out some going. kind of shoot <laughs> with the, where, where there's this pressure on you in some kind of way, and you've mm. only got a vague idea actually what the buttons do on the camera or how, how it works. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I, I, I love that because it, it's it's <laughs> the enthusiasm to actually get out there and just do something with it rather than have something that sits on the shelf and you and you're a bit scared of it or you're going to take forever to, to to learn it at the exclusion of everything else you just get out there and you just do something with it and and i, and I love that so interesting i wish i had a bit more of the other per side of the personality i wish i did prepare things a little better um but i do also have i have had you know experiences like that where the stuff does sit on the shelf and, and you do kind of you and you, it starts you get start to get a bit scared of it and you so my way of thinking and you would have seen this in this last video where i did a couple of tests of this um of the, the tin type stuff and and uh i hadn't got it right yet uh but i could you can test and you can carry on and just you, you can wait forever until you believe you're ready or just go and get it done 
and learn by doing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's always been my philosophy. And and uh, I do, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm sure it's not the right philosophy for a YouTube channel. I'm sure that, you know, I'd have more viewers and all the rest of it if I was a bit more competent, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that. I mean, there, there's something to be said, um, both as a process, I think, and also from like the enjoyment of watching some of, of doing it and also watching somebody just like work their way through because that's how we all do it in the end regardless of how fucking organized you are aren't simon's first bleep of the podcast by the way <laughs> of this episode is that you still everybody has to go through that process right everybody has mm. to figure it out and whether or not they do it in organized fashion or organized fashion um there's a value i think in showing that process even if it's not you even if i'm watching it and i'm super organized which i'm obviously not but if role playing, I am role playing a highly organized person, mm. not wondering how to tackle a thing. Seeing somebody work through it in an unorganized fashion still helps me see what those steps are and triggers thought processes. That, like, how do I figure this out? I, I've, I've never understood the value. Like, I've seen every once in a while somebody like go through, and they don't show the process they go through or whatever. It's sort of like magically, like, boop. Yeah. It's there. Perfect. Well, Perfection. Mm. That? Like, what, what were the steps? I, that didn't help me. Or they'll, they'll verbalize it, but they don't show it. And like, that doesn't help yeah. me. And that's kind of my thinking between behind what I do uh, or the videos that I put out is, is certainly, especially like um, film photography and, and what you might call the kind of progressive, progressive steps through film photography of medium format, large format, whichever, um, whatever comes next uh, can seem really daunting. Uh, and there are, it is niche. And it's you do have these kind of small online communities, which themselves for me were quite daunting. Um, so the kind of thinking behind it, thinking about what I'm doing and, and the reasoning for me starting doing it was demystifying a little bit and, and almost kind mm-hmm. of publicly um, making a tit of myself so that other people, you know, feel more comfortable getting into it. And I do get slagged off. I get some some um some rude comments um i don't care it's fine whatever yeah well this yeah. Is it. people just need to feel better about themselves you know <laughs> yeah sure but i think that's what um uh, it, it's better for all of us if our if 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 photography large format photography film photography grows right um the more people that do it the the fewer um fuji films will pack up making film and the fewer um companies will go out of business film prices will come down you know the, the the more it grows the better it gets for everyone right um and so demystifying and and um de-cliquing it i think um is is sort of a bit of a, a mission of mine you're pausing very politely so i can ask a question <laughs> you put your hand up mate <laughs> i know Simon. Actually, i just heard the sound and i was like what, <laughs> what, what, what it was? Was? it's andrew at the door <laughs> yeah so, um, <laughs> Uh, are you a newcomer to film photography, Nick, or is it something that you've always done? Is it a, was it a childhood thing, parents, family? It was childhood thing. Um, I have the the stereotypical story of um, when I was like four, five years old. Every time I pulled a chicken wishbone, I would wish for a real camera. Um, uh, and my dad had a couple of cameras that I obviously wasn't allowed to touch. And um, uh, and then yeah, going to, I was, had a camera from a relatively early age and then did uh, at school, there was a dark room, 
GCSE, all that sort of stuff. Uh, then kind of turned it back on a little bit, went digital, same as everybody else, and then came back to it. But that was all um, 35 mil up until that point. So I didn't find my, my way to medium format until well, maybe like five, six years ago. Um, and that was, in fact, as a almost a rebellion against the fact that I couldn't afford medium format digital cameras. Uh, I was looking at, you know, Hasselblads and stuff like that four or five years ago before God, yeah. Fuji started bringing out their, uh, their GXs and whatever. Um, and uh, I was like, well, I, I want more resolution, uh, but I can't get it like this. And then you start looking around and realize that, in fact, uh, you could get all the resolution you want um, through film. Uh, and obviously then, you know, your scanning process does affect what it eventually looks like in a digital sense. Um, and then obviously just started, uh, got got lost in it, started down that rabbit hole and disappeared and, and never looked back. I think um, it's one ironic, isn't it? That like you can buy an old used 120 camera and like a $10 roll of film for less than like what the digitals are for a long time. Like you can shoot a lot of damn film and get a nice kit for $5,000. Absolutely. Uh, and and five thousand dollars won't even get you. Will it get you a GX fifty? Is it GX fifty? What are the um the GFX fifty? GFX yeah. fifty. Yeah, I don't know how much they are new. Certainly the you, um you can definitely get them used for that. I mean, I got my R brand new for three thousand, but they're okay. like blowing them out for thirty percent like rebate because mm. nobody liked that model. Which is fine. With Either me, but, but and it, it's it's not um it's it's not true medium format, is it though? The the sensor is not no, actually. No, it's still smaller than six four five. Right. It's like somewhere between six four five and thirty-five millimeter. This is the thing you which get makes you, it interesting choosing lenses. You can disappear up, up your own arsehole a little bit with the um with sensor sizes and, and resolution oh, yeah. and, and all this sort of stuff, can't you? And it, and it it's all a, a bit meaningless eventually. And I think that's that was a huge appeal of um uh coming back to film and shooting film, shooting medium format of film, uh, was that you you can shake off some of the marketing hype so you know like when you yeah. when you, if you're looking into digital cameras and you're looking to decide which one you're going to buy um unless you are actually a, a camera engineer who fully understands you know the, the the how a sensor is built and how each pixel of a set then it's all just bollocks isn't it it's all a load of rubbish and 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 you're just being sold to um Whereas yeah. you come back to film and it's simpler and it makes sense and you know it, it it kind of is what it is does what it says in the tin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And most people aren't going to print at all. I know, right. Exactly. So unless unless I mean to about digital, you know. So unless you're like actually concerned about printing sixteen twenty or something massive, like micro four thirds will print beautifully by ten prints, hmm. and they all look great on screen. So who you know who really gives a crap about the size of the sensor unless you are doing this for a living or you have magazine contracts or do prints like micro four thirds even, is, even is then cool. though technically uh, i mean obviously the, the the sensor size versus um Nerds. lens and things like that yeah is it does yeah, make yeah, a difference yeah. yeah but that's, that's but, the same thing like when you're when you're playing with the four by five i just saw you're mm. like doing different brass lenses in, in one of your uh one of your videos, like that plays into it too, though. I just taught Absolutely. a class on um, modifying old lenses onto new modern 
cameras and I had to cover the topic of image circle. So like if you take an old brass lens that is great for a five by seven, then you put it on your four by five, it becomes effectively almost characterless because the image circle is so much smaller and everything's just fucking sharp everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you want some character out of an old brass lens on your four by five, you can't use an eight by 10 lens or even a five by seven lens because you're reducing the image circle so much. You're like taking the very best part of that lens, yeah, which is fabulous. Like you can get, if you get a five by seven brass lens and put it on a four by five, you'll get a lens that's sharp corner to corner, absolutely everywhere, wide open, as good as any modern lens, period. Yeah. But all that character you're hoping to get, if you're hoping to get character, kind of goes away because character lives at the edges. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it gets kind of, uh, it, well, it's always interesting, but it gets kind of interesting when you're choosing those old lenses for your large format. You know, you need something that's big enough to cover the image, but not so big that you lose all of its character. It's interesting. That's it's a, a point that I didn't bring up when I was doing when I was going through those antique lenses. But it's you're dead right, of course. And I think that the some of the lenses now that you're talking about some of the lenses that I liked less um, for that exact reason is that they were designed for bigger cameras or for for, for larger film sizes. Uh, and therefore, mm-hmm. on four by five, you're essentially just getting that little tiny little sample right in the middle of the lens, which is yeah, just too good. It's too clean and crisp. Perfect. I want that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's no, like you get that lens separation on the edges, and people are like, oh no, you know, the balsam's going, but like no, that that's character. Those old brass lenses, every single one's different. Even if you can get four of them that are exactly the same, because mm. they've aged differently. Someone's fucked up the front of this one with like Simon's <laughs> second bleed for me. I keep yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone screwed up. There you go, Simon. Like one because they cleaned it too vigorously with the wrong chemical. Right. And another one's separating and another one's got, you know, a little yeah. bit of like schmutz on the inside, whatever. But anyways, Andrew had a question and I'm putting him to sleep. So, Andrew, I interrupted <laughs> you rudely. I, I, I have no idea what I was going to say. No, it was ages ago. <laughs> I know. I know. I, is this, is this the worst was, possible chat for you, Andrew? This is like full on gear no, chat. We literally no, no, just got nothing else. I, don't. I didn't want to talk about photos. I didn't want to talk about results, just lenses. Let's yeah. just talk about no, lenses. I don't, I don't I don't mind it. It gives me an opportunity to doze off. In your in your recent video, which may or may hmm. not have aired It will, it's going up tonight, so um it will okay, be on so you were, by the time this goes out. You'd gone out and bought a packet of uh <laughs> packet of uh, dry plates, but tin types, which I had no idea were available so thank you neither did i thank you for that i mean i've i I did buy a box of jay lane's dry plates and i think jason is hoping to uh, restart production if he hasn't already i know there's some did he move house or something happened didn't it he did it's been a long time though hasn't it okay i I watch his website for updates and and right yeah he he, uh he just signed a a lease on a space for production so mr mr light lost light art youtube man maker mm. of ze- zebra or zebra plates perhaps we should say to keep no no we shouldn't if we're doing if we go in transatlantic aluminum and zebra yeah. no we'll say zebra then um <laughs> i like your comment right at the beginning so you you were you, you said something like uh i've never poured a wet plate glass and i've mm. seen people do it me Simon hasn't either, I don't think. Me, me and Simon, if you listen back to the video, we, the recording we did with Dave Shrimpton. Yeah. So I, I poured exactly one plate um, and got kind of enthusiastic. But like you, I, I've not been enthusiastic enough to tip me over the edge, which I know is going to be an expensive and time-consuming rabbit hole 
and I've neither got the spare cash nor the time to dive into that particular rabbit hole. So I think the availability of someone uh, like Jason and Mr. Zebra, uh, and you'll forgive me for not remembering what his name is, but you'll it's tell a, me in a minute. It's, it's N-E-J-C, and I have no idea. Yeah, well, that's, that, just so a silly, just... that's just a silly name, and you, <laughs> no, no one has a name full of consonants, do they? Um, <laughs> so we'll call him Mr. Now Zebra. Have have mind, but just... <laughs> yeah. And um, so I like the idea of just being able to go and buy uh, a dry plate or a, or a, or a, you know, a tin type or a glass plate um and and pl- and play with it and um when i remember talking to dave shrimpton when we were there and i and he was i think we were coat what were we we were coating onto aluminium weren't we simon yeah i think yeah so that would have been turned into a, a tin type but historically that would have been like black backing i think wouldn't it and i'm just sort of floundering a bit here black and that would have made the sort of negative image that's formed sort of positive because yeah, then you've exactly. got the, the you've got the light areas of the negatives so, so I read, I read in my detailed research for this show mm. that the you that you'd end up with a fairly thin negative in in the emulsion with the black backing, so that the uh, shadow areas, which of course will be the the lightest, will almost turn black because of the black backing, and the highlights take on a sort of grey colour, which gives an overall sort of dull looking positive. And at the end of the video, Nick, you said, I don't know if it's supposed to look like this because it yeah. was kind of, there was some weird stuff going on in the highlights as well. It was almost like solarized. It looked, yeah, to me. Exactly. Just, it looked solarized to me. Yeah. It's, it's and but I, liked, I did yeah. like it. And I, sorry. And I did know it. And I thought, well, yeah, it is a, it's not that we're, we're so used to sort of in your face contrast images in many cases uh, at the expense often of tonality. Uh, and I, but and I, but I did read that tin pipes were known for their sort of dullness, <laughs> and they didn't fare well against daguerreotypes in in their sort of brilliance. Oh, really? That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I, I was mentioning this to Simon. Um, I can't remember where we were chatting, Simon, yesterday, and then Simon was almost quite offended that that they would one would attempt to describe this as a tin type as a you know because a wet plate is a wet plate, and um, it, it, I, I don't know what the, how the chemistry compares with um actual wet plate collodion or i think what he what mr zebra if, if we're going to call him that um has done uh is i'm pretty sure it's just a standard uh you know photo speed emulsion um but using this ammonium thiocyanate additive to the kodak hc110 when developing causing white deposits to form i think that is what he said uh on one of his videos explaining how this works so, but yeah, my, my big thing was was knowing whether or not, I don't, I don't know what a, a wet plate, you know, once it's finished and dried and varnished, I would have no idea what one looks like to hold in your hand. It's very different because like, as you saw in that video, if you put it on a copy stand, you can make it look great, um, but you're holding your hand and it actually doesn't look too bad there, um, but it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty unimpressive if I'm honest. Um, but then I don't know what a wet plate, you know, proper wet plate collodion um, plate. I guess like. this is what I guess this is why going on, um, you know, going to a session with someone like Dave. You know, so you go with someone who can make some, you know, really nice plates, mm. and then you've got a sort of point of reference in your head, haven't you? I think that's it. I think yeah. um, Guy Bellingham is um, just down the road from me, so he's um, somebody who's 
whose door I may knock on at some point in the in the near future. Yeah. You're going to end up like at the at the business end of a giant brass lens, <laughs> you know, like a tunnel of woods with a swirly, you know, full yeah, on yeah. old school. Which would be an impressive action. experience. I can't or see it. Or a skull on your head or something awesome because I just, yeah, that these studios just got it. I mean, the boys have been I think there. You're, but I think you're getting guys. Atlanta, no, you're getting two people muddled up there. You're getting yeah. Oh, I'm getting mixed up with Dave. Yes. You guys all have such cool, we can call oh, your him, guests anyway. We can call have such cool guy. names. Like Guy, Dave, I mean, Bellingham, Shripton. Yeah. Where's Dave Shripton? He's Cambridge way, isn't he? Somewhere down there? Yeah, he's just down the road from me. Right. Yeah. yeah. See, so, I'm just down the road from you guys. My apologies to to the two gentlemen who I just got. We'll just stuff. call them Guy Shrimpton, and then we're done. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that should be. They should have a workshop together, yeah. the two of them, and it's just the Guy Shrimpton show. It'd be amazing. I think that'd be amazing, actually. Well, well, Guy's definitely going to be hearing this conversation because he's a, he's an avid listener Perfect. of the podcast, oh. and. Uh, He's like, you owe me coffee money for this. I'm not giving you coffee money. <laughs> Eric, well, when again, when I when I when I watched the video earlier, and, and you were saying how um, you could do it, knowing what a, a, a real tin type looked like, I was there thinking, you're only down the road from 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 guy. He's yeah. down the road, and not only that, you also who was in turn only down the road from is it negative thinking um, in in Bristol. Is it, no, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's negative thinking. That's the uh, uh, apologies if it isn't. Um, but that that's the um, they. Well, it's a, it's a. I think it's a community darkroom of, of sort of, of some some nature, but it's a very very well equipped one. And I believe it's actually where Guy learned how to do uh, wet plate clothing in the first place. Right. Um, mm. And I mean, this is uh, Andrew and I have been talking about trying to and just generally not having enough money to take a trip to Bristol for a day um, <laughs> to go down and um, have a chat with Guy and possibly uh, take take a look at the Starcroom as well. Um, now you're on the doorstep. So mm -hmm. uh, so with that that note, I'm I'm now sure there's a video coming along quite soon um, because there needs to be because uh, Guy's awesome. Uh, if, if Guy wants to do it, yeah, for sure, I'll, I'll get in touch with him. Uh, he's doing some fascinating stuff as well with um, large format video. Have you seen that? Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy yeah, looking stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's. Uh, I think it's quite cagey about how he how exactly he does it, um, but uh, it does look amazing though. This is like wildly short depth of field video. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's if, if actually only a couple of hours ago he put a, a link up. Uh, to uh, in fact, I've got the page up here on on our Facebook group, which is Large Format Photography Podcast uh, on Facebook, which you should join, Nick. And uh, I, I'm in there. I am in there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I just oh, I don't I don't say much. I'm shy. Uh, okay, <laughs> I, I, I need to know what you're in. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I did. I did actually put you in here early, but uh, your name didn't didn't link in. Uh, but uh, no matter. Um, huh. but, uh, earlier on. Um, guy put a an ultra large format video up, and it's uh, with a U YouTube link to uh, Fraser Anderson, uh, taken with the Helio lens, which is uh, uh, the lens I'm currently uh, talking to the three of you, sort of visually at least through at the moment, and uh, and it's just amazing. I mean, it's a beautiful piece of music that that uh, that's been recorded. It's beautifully. Um, I'm going to use the word shot for once for 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 a for a better word, and it's hardly had any views. And it, it, yeah. it upsets me that so few people 
have actually seen this. So we, we'll obviously be putting a link in in our our notes to this video, uh, which yeah. which will you know increase the uh, the viewer viewer content by at least three. Um, <laughs> I was going to say and, us. Yeah, that's it. I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so do do head over to uh, Guy Guy Bellingham Photography on YouTube. With his, uh, he's only got sixty four subscribers. I need to subscribe to him as well. But hundred hundred more views on this beautiful beautiful piece of video work. It's absolutely gorgeous. So um, please I head over. I didn't know it was on YouTube. That's um, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just on Instagram and, and Facebook. But he's on. He's got a YouTube channel as well, right? He has, yeah. Yeah, Guy Bellingham Photography. And uh, in particular, we're talking about Fraser Anderson dash Lost and Found Theatre and then Ultra Large Format Video. Got to be seen. It's absolutely gorgeous and a lovely piece of music as well. Go subscribe to Guy right now. We're all busy. Everyone stopped talking because everyone's gone on their phones. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, that's my laptop, sir. Thank you. There you go. The, so... It's come up straight away, and, and it says, what do clowns dream of when they're asleep? So that's already got me Oh, hooked. I've, I've and then seen below, that. Below that, it says, um, wet plate and tin types. There you go. Two years ago. <laughs> so you, I didn't know he had a YouTube channel. But he probably mentioned it when he came on the show, but and I've just forgotten. I'm, I'm dying to talk to him, not just to, to talk about uh, wet plates and, and that kind of thing, but also talk about that that he does, that large oh. format, ultra-large format video. Um, Everything that I've seen so far is a single stationary shot. And I'm just dying to know if there's some kind of application for it. More wide, you know, more widely used, if you say, I mean. Are you thinking of hooking it up like some kind of large GoPro? Is, is that what you're thinking? Or? Yeah, but can you imagine? Imagine if you took, a, took this ultra-large format camera and attached it to a GoPro. <laughs> Speaking of like image, like you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna take your, I'll I take your eight by ten. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you could use. Uh, no, but that wouldn't work. I was gonna say I've seen people use convert like old like eight by ten or eleven by fourteen like desktop scanners. Oh, okay. Into cameras, right? But that's not actually one giant sensor. It's just a you know, it's like a, <clears throat> it's like slit photography it goes. It comes across and does that. It's brilliant, so, but. Well, I saw, I saw some comments on uh, one of his old uh, Instagram things where they asked whether or not, because you could just use kind of a double bellows system, right, where right. Um, you have a, a clear ground glass on the back of, say, an 8x10 with no markings on it, and then a second bellows that takes you through to a standard digital camera, whatever that might be, um, and therefore you're just filming the ground glass. Right. But he said, no, that's not how he does it. So... I don't know what yeah, it does. So we'll send you. We'll send you down there as a LFPP. You can be yeah, our, yeah, our, yeah. our <laughs> ro roving reporter. reporter. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, <laughs> and you can go and steal all his industrial secrets and yeah, come yeah, and talk yeah. about them on the podcast. Well, he did. I was going to say, the guy guy did talk about how he actually does his stills. Mm. Um, his, his hybrid flow for his, for his stills stuff, but uh, that that doesn't seem to be transferable to doing video from what I could mm. what I remember. But it might yeah. be. It might be. Who knows? So go back and listen to that if if you if you don't remember how he did it. Then because uh, that was it's basically used taking a a digital photograph of an image that is projected on the inside of a box. So it's a bit like a camera obscura, but taking an image of of the image of the image that's been projected onto the back of a box, which sounds really simple. Uh, oh, okay. So instead of a ground glass, he's essentially got a um, 
a second yeah. kind of angle on it. He kind of like a reverse reflex almost. Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I know, I know. I'm saying exactly because I could see you with the hand movements and gestures you were making. But our <laughs> listeners would understand that. Isn't You're it? trying to say that I didn't explain it properly, Simon. Is that what you... <laughs> no, he's pointing at a wall, and the image is on the wall, roughly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's um, let's 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 talk about our guest again. Uh, we've, mm. we've, we've just done the guy, the guy Bellingham section of the of the of the podcast, um, which is always yeah. a pleasure. Um, <laughs> Uh, Why the hell did you decide to go into a large format? I'll just uh, dive right into it. Like you've been doing 120 for forever, right? Which yep. is like the same insensible step up from 35 millimeter if you want to get bigger. Yep. But then you go into large format becomes less sane and sensible, right? Because <laughs> I just like you tried to shoot a safari with a four by five. 120, that's perfectly doable. You know, speaking yeah, yeah. yeah. A fellow moron who goes into the field with four by fives or photojournalism <laughs> all the time. Um, like smaller formats are way smarter for this so why did you decide to go and stumble into something that's even more stumbly yeah right um I, stumble is the right word uh i uh i i, I ended up with a lens uh, a lens and shutter combination that would cover four by five uh and and i was like oh i've got a lens i might as well do this um <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was it was that simple. Um, in exactly the same way that you know, I'm probably not going to follow this up. I'm not going to follow up the tin type thing, but I'll go off and do some ill-advised things. And and as long as it's not going to cost me an absolute fortune, that's kind of the key. And so I, by chance, ended up with a lens. It was actually designed for a nine by twelve camera, and I was looking at it thinking, well, you know, nine by twelve, four by five, it's pretty close. So uh, I wonder if. And so I went and looked in and started learning about large format and what the options were. And I got the cheapest possible um, camera system I could find. I paid 90 quid for a Toyo uh, view, uh, uh, monorail um, 45C. Okay. And there was no lens, no lens board. And it had some uh, ground glass on the back. By the time I sold it, I obviously was then aware that I'd got an absolute bargain. Um and it was in an amazing condition and it was a wonderful camera. And I had, I had a great time with that for a long time, but I'd totally, you know, got lucky with that. Um, so yeah, I got a lens and then put together a few other bits and pieces. And there's a video on this actually on the channel of me literally going, Oh my God, it works. That's amazing. Um, uh, and then I was kind of hooked from that point. And there's all sorts of things that I will test out and try and, and give a go once and not get hooked on them. So, um, but, but large format stuck, I think, um, what it, all, all the inconvenience of large format over, for example, medium format, what I love about it is the simplicity, um, and that it does come down to a lens, a box and a sheet of film, and that's it you know and and sure you can you can introduce uh, as many kind of complications as you want on top of that but it's the the kind of the purest form of photography uh, i would say i mean well, even with pinhole you know it's is it, it it's as basic as it gets and therefore uh, in order to do it well and in order to kind of find your way through it you really have to dig down into the principles of photography um, the most basic um, stuff that they were discovering in the late 19th century and early 20th century. Um, and that has been, uh, that's what I've really enjoyed uh, about the whole thing. And, and 
you know a lot the 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 art side of things and the the result and the 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 what you the the images that you end up with are beautiful and wonderful i do enjoy that but i think i'm i'm slightly more technically minded and you know what what has kept me going on it uh is the you're getting into the science and the the you know uh, engineering of the cameras and the lenses and and um learning all that kind of stuff yeah i think i mean obviously I get that. <laughs> and then when you start doing like movements and you actually like figuring out like how film planes work and not film planes sorry focal planes work and that sort of thing yeah you like mucking around with that like ooh, you know like actually twisting things around it you know what my arguably the most complicated kind of photography you could ever consider doing even after um uh what have i been doing now for like three four five years i think and so i've got that nine by twelve lens and and threw together my first collection of large format bits and bobs and and exposed the four by five sheets in in that time my brain still doesn't think in camera movements um it, 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 like we find when i'm planning a shoot or if i'm thinking of how i'm going to do this it doesn't occur to me to introduce movements and that's something that i keep and then i get home and i'll be like Ah, oh, this is wonderful. This went really well, and then I thought, oh, I, I could have, oh, I could have done this. I could have done that, and that you know, just didn't pop into my head. But if you're um, yeah. primarily, I, I guess it's driven in many ways. It's driven by the subject matter, isn't it? Because you know, press photographers would have used handheld uh, speed graphics, graphlexes, and and with limited movement. Well, you know, they didn't really really need it. And mm. if you're photographing people headshots whatever um you don't necessarily need it i guess if you're photographing architecture or landscapes and you might want to introduce a, a, a bit um you know if you're trying to photograph a giraffe with um uh, <laughs> with a large format camera and you manage to get right close to it well the last thing you want to be doing is tilting the lens forward because you're going to end up with you're never going to get that big tall thing all in focus by shifting the lens board forward you might as well do yeah you just want to get the head yeah focus, so you could get an and everything else blurred out. Out. you, you, could, you could get an arty <laughs> picture of a giraffe by, <laughs> by right. employing shine plug and yes. um you know and then getting that plane that image plane cutting right through the middle of the giraffe and then just opening it up sufficient so you get his neck in focus and then his head blurred or something that'd be good no, I'm going. I'm going back to Africa, Andrew. I'm going back. I'm going to do it again. So, what's the deal with Africa then? Because I just, I mean, I don't know enough about you, and I perhaps haven't mm -hmm. done enough research. But you just suddenly see, oh, I'm back in Africa, as though it was yeah. like normal. You know, is it? I've, I've I've spent a lot of time in Africa in the last twelve months uh, with work, basically. Right. So I think okay. um, Simon mentioned there, like, I could do this while we were recording or not, and I don't. It's not a secret. I don't necessarily volunteer it, but I'm. So I work in TV and in documentaries. Okay. Um, and I am very lucky in that it takes me all over the world. Yeah. Um, and I do try and take the cameras with me and try and kind of use the free travel to get uh, some exotic yeah. YouTube videos. But you were just like, you were just walking out in like a, oh, I just walked down this um, sort of track and suddenly yeah. there's like Thompson's gazelles leaping out at the front of you, like wildebeest. That's Wilder Africa. Beast. That's how it looks like. Yeah, but it's not like it. in yeah. Johannesburg. You don't get you don't get uh, in the middle of the streets no, in Joburg, do you? You don't. You don't. You don't. No. I mean, you'd be amazed at the the places that you 
find wildlife out there okay. and it is bonkers that actually the place where i did the um the, the, the thompson's gazelle and the giraffes was a little private reserve um at literally like 20 minutes from the center of johannesburg right um but if you head a bit further north and and you know get towards the botswana border for example uh then you fairly quickly you're into just unfenced wilderness um it's it is surprising I and mean, i spent a lot of time in botswana a few years ago uh and it, that's that place is just crazy it'll literally you know you get towards the north of there and and uh you'll you're stopping on the road every 15 20 minutes to wait for the elephants to pass um it is in in places it's breathtaking for sure in South Africa, you do still get a lot of um, roaming wildlife. They tend to be more the things that you that that don't comply with fences. So, for example, you might elephants will will um, get out beyond the the, the national parks. Uh, monkeys, um, as you get further north as well. Um, but there's a lot of wildlife down there in Africa. Yeah, it's um easy enough to come by. The, obviously, the, it did help as well that that was a uh, a small kind of fenced reserve. And I did do that intentionally. I did go there intentionally because you do stand a chance of animals letting you get a bit closer to them. Um, uh, you, and I um, did... you, um, you were quite dismissive of some of your images. And I was sort of shouting at the screen saying, I really like that. There was like an antelope where his head had moved. And I thought, you know, that I thought it was great. You know? <laughs> did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you've introduced a bit of movement there, partly because you know you just—I don't know what lenses you're using, but you're just taking the cap off and on. And I thought, well, I don't even know what we're using a really fast, slow film. Uh, oh, I don't remember. But the lens was um, was a a three hundred and sixty mil. Not three hundred. No, (laughs) you you've watched the video. Yeah, I got it wrong. Yeah, it's that one. 360 mil Rodenstock Apo Ronar. Um, so no, no shutter in it. Um, I'm pretty sure I was you probably using um, FP4. I would guess that's okay. normally my kind of go-to. Uh, so uh, ISO 125, 125. I would have shot it at bottle speed, uh, and it was blazing sunshine. Hmm. Um, but I was having to stop down on the lens to try and make sure that that. I was getting it in focus mm. uh, and also because I, I didn't have a shutter in there for I was just doing it by hand and you know so I can't get um you know I could probably I reckon I can do about a, maybe a 15th of a second with my hand um, well it, yeah it sounds like a it sounds like an ideal situation for one of those dry plates maybe next time just make life a bit harder for yourself and yeah, yeah. large yeah. format tin pipes for wildlife <laughs> yeah. yeah hold still will you hold still do you know what really um and i did say this in the video but and, and i felt a bit stupid afterwards for not realizing but the real difficulty of shooting um wildlife on large format is not the uh it's not all the complications of you know timing with your with getting your film holder in and focusing and hoping the animal's going to stay still the really difficult thing is your focal length um and the fact that uh, the longest lens that the my my bellows will take is 360 mil, and uh, I can't remember. I did work this out. It's it's like 100, like the equivalent of about 120 mil on a 35 mil camera. 
And you just, you wouldn't leave the house with a 120 mil lens to go and photograph wildlife. No. In the past, you'd have gone yeah. like in the, in the proper analog days. Um, I remember looking at 500 millimeter mirror lenses because that was yeah. like the cheapest way of getting into really long lenses, you know. So, I, can't, I can't remember the it's just um, like a port like a, a bit of a long portrait lens you took out really wasn't it exactly and so i literally have in order to even and I, so i started looking for bigger animals so let's try and find a giraffe because you know let's try and find a giraffe i can get close to um and even then like i'm standing right next to this giraffe and and you know i can get a kind of a head and shoulders and obviously that for a giraffe a head and shoulders is quietly still it's not close um uh, but that's that's the big problem is is to actually get let's you know if you wanted to fill the screen with or fill the fill the uh, the frame with a giraffe's face you'd yeah. basically need to be right should have in, enticed it in enticed, enticed it down with a with a sumptuous goodie yeah i think they they were friendly but not that friendly mm. and then um, got it in a neck brace so that it held so, still yeah exactly yeah uh, that was the my you next thing you would have needed do. like a double a double tripod <laughs> setup right like a double bellows and a double tripod and like a 900 millimeter and be like hold be, still it'd be more oh. than that i think i worked out that a 400 i can't remember the exact things now but the, i think it worked it out that a 400 mil lens on a 35 mil camera would be the equivalent of like 1300 on a four by five so you'd have to have more than a meter of bellows mm. there was a there was a chap in america um i think it was, i think it was in the 50s or 60s or some, something like that and he was taking pictures like from new jersey of new york with uh with with large format um i, I saw a photograph of him and i thought what on earth because he, he was standing on a skyscraper somewhere and, mm -hmm. and he had little, this enormous extension double extension uh, the, supports all the way it, along it, it is he? exactly and, the, and this this <laughs> yeah. lens at the front of it and you're thinking that's a that small lens is a long way away from uh, from from the film plane <laughs> um but he he got some absolutely incredible photographs i mean he's, he's a celebrated photographer um, I cannot remember um, what, the, what the chap's name is, but he, he did some absolutely amazing photographs with that that setup. I mean, it reminds me of the other day. I was I took out my um, Taylor Taylor Hobson uh, Rapid View meniscus or maybe a doublet lens, uh, which I think is that's actually past the point of extension on my Chroma uh, Adventurer. So I have to like put a an extension on the front of my camera to get it to the point where I can actually focus it. Uh, to do uh, well actually to do people um it's fine with uh in infinity with with those bellows but uh, if you want to get something closer which is what i want it for then uh, i had to put the extension on it but it looked like a, a sort of modern version of what this, this this guy was doing like 50 odd years ago and that, that is the problem isn't it with with large format is that you're I think with so obviously the mirror lenses when you when on 35 mil or ever even medium format um Mirror lenses deal with that distance that you need between the camera by essentially doubling up the amount of distance that you have between right. the, 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 yeah. the front lens by using the mirror. Um, Eric, you'll probably know more about this and how uh, your telephoto lens, modern telephoto lenses work, but how they essentially deal with the fact that a 400 mil lens does not actually require 400 mil between um mm, the, mm, right. the you know but obviously we and again that uh, took, goes back to that simplicity of um large format and that a 360 mil lens usually is a 360 mil lens that you require 360 mils to get a uh, an infinity focus with right I, 
I kind of regret selling my Sinar. Well, I started off with the Sinar F, and then I sort of kept the Sinar system. You can keep buying bits to it until it becomes a mm. an F2, and then a P1, and then a P2. And then it got awfully complicated, and it frightened me then once, I, once <laughs> I'd upgraded it to a really technical F2. I thought, mm. oh, this is just bonkers now. So I sold it. And But I, I keep hankering after a monorail camera because, you know, they're so flexible, aren't they, with bag bellows, and then you can add the extensions on, and I, I can finally use my 300mm um, lens, which in theory would fit on my Toyo, but I, again, I can't quite get uh, the close, close-up shots. It won't really... Uh, it doesn't really work. So I, I think I'm probably eventually going to be on the lookout back for another monorail like your cheap uh, Toyo C. Do you know, I, I was spoiled with it um, yeah. when I very first started. And I just, I mean, it's great. I, I don't know, maybe if I'd, I'd gone for something um, more suited to what I wanted to do with it, that I wouldn't have been hooked in the same way that I, I got hooked uh, on the large format thing. Um, but I, I used it for a little while and then I got rid of it because I wanted to be out and about with it. And mm. it's a hell of a lump to carry around. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You oh, think, oh, yeah. I need a field camera. Yeah, exactly. And then I, but I do look back and I mean, I'm still out and about with it mostly. I'm not doing much studio stuff and therefore, I, I, no. you know, but it was, it's amazing. It's kind of the ultimate, right? It, it is, um, there are no, um, uh, allowances. Do you know what I mean? It has all the movements and, and all the, okay. um, yeah, too many do. really. Too they're just really so cool hard to use you don't in the use field. Them. <laughs> they just weigh so much, you know. Like mm. between the rail and then like taking out of a out of whatever bag you're, you've managed to but wedge I, it in. I love that. Uh, portable, uh, and then the time to set it up. It just I love all that process. Least, I love the fact that it was really hard. I love, I love the mm. fact that it was so modular and and you know you could do so much with it. I just like the aesthetic of it, and stuff, but it was really impractical, you know, for what <laughs> I wanted. Yeah, for sure. When I was, I still want to try to do eight by ten in the field for photojournalism, but the eight by ten is such a fucking beast. Yeah, to be genuinely portable. I mean, I'm going to one of these days. Damn it! But like, it's just so impractical. You know, it's the size of your torso, even packed up. You're just like, you know. Uh, when when I was out last last. Uh... That's your next step. Sorry, Nick. Your next step is an eight by ten. I did. I'm not. I, I'm not being drawn to it yet. There may come oh, a just time. you wait. I've got to start again with everything. You... I need all the all, like new bits for every part of it, don't you? But you Dude, see, when you get an eight by ten negative, though, you're just like. But you see, I think I've kind of reached the. I know. I bet. I bet it's in, incredible to have in your hand. But you've know, reached that. You know that kind of resolution ceiling where I'm not so interested in the contact printing, um, and therefore, if I'm enlarging, it's going to be some time before my enlarging of four by fives. Uh, my skill at enlarging, I kind of outgrow my skill and need something more from the hardware. Um, so yeah, no, no, no desire to off offload another boatload of cash and go eight by ten just now. <laughs> Simon, I'm sorry, Simon. I'm just interrupting everybody today. I, well, well, what I, what I was going to say there, it was just going back to what you were saying about uh, taking monorail, monorail cameras out. And uh, that that trip that I mentioned earlier, that I was out with my uh, Taylor Taylor Hobson lens, it was it was an outing by our uh, six times draw crew and club. Um, we did uh, we did the Wirral, uh, New Brighton, and uh, places like that with Dick um, uh, of the Dump, who's on Twitter and other other places. And uh, this guy, 
Uh, blue, yeah, on blue sky. Blue sky seems to be the way. I've, I'm I'm hopeful mm-hmm. the blue sky is going to uh, be the the outlet um, yep. that uh, that the refugees of Twitter will be able to go to. Hopefully, I mean we said threads last time, and then you said Mastodon the time before, or you actually said something else actually, if I remember correctly. And <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, hopefully I wouldn't go to that one that begins with M just because <laughs> no, yeah, of the name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, Paul Bullock. I feel like I've got to mention everybody that came with us now. So, but um, yeah, so uh, you're going to be offending someone exactly. And and yeah, I'm just going to offend the rest. But uh, Robert Price, who was uh, who actually does deserve offending, uh, but I will mention his name. He uh, he was with us, and uh, he had his uh, Toyo uh, monorail, and uh, he, he goes. He takes it around with a with a backpack that looks like he can go up Everest with it. Mm. I mean, it's ridiculous, but he does it, you know, and uh, he, he loves he loves using it. But he gives him all the flexibility that he wants on site. Because that's the thing. Once you've got the thing set up, they're a doddle to use. They're easier to use, I think, than than a conventional field camera. It's just the lugging about is the, uh, mm. is, is the issue there, of course. Um, but uh, I just want to I want to head back to one of your uh, I mean you've touched upon it already when you were talking about lenses earlier with with, with Eric and um, that video you did I think it's probably about three large format videos back now maybe two I don't I don't know where we're at um, but um, you mentioned earlier about you you you, you know, people being inspired by you and then you ran away from that and uh, which I I I. I was inspired by that particular video that you did on vintage lenses, um, because, and that was the reason why I went out and with the with the Taylor Taylor Hobson uh, lens, um, and taking pictures of uh, of a lighthouse with it, which is a really odd thing to do, and uh, <laughs> you know I got a quite a decent result out of it in the end, to be fair. Um, but it was it was this thing about I I've and I was having a conversation with Paul Bullock um, about. Uh, certain lenses, but he was asking me advice on a, uh, a Cook AVR lens, and I think it's uh, I think it was a six-inch one. Or there's another one. There's two, there's a couple of different sizes and different focal uh, uh, f-stops. And I asked him, "What's the point? What's the point in that? You know, because you've got you've got really good lenses." Yeah, and the same. What I mean by a really good lens, I mean a, a modern four by five lens. And when they say modern, something that's been out in the last forty years plus is a is a modern four by five lens, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, and then you get some some lenses that are full of character. You know, maybe like an Aero Ektar or you know something that's really really fast and then or a projection lens or or whatever. You know, so they do funky things. And then you get all the lenses in between. And in particular, you get those the, the 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 vintage lenses that aren't particularly fast. They don't they don't they don't pretend to ever have done anything interesting ever. They're just lenses. They were just what people would have bought at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the equivalent of a of a, of a Vivitar twenty eight millimeter. Or, or, you know, whatever it is, that's just what they were. And I was like, "What's the point?" And I and I, I put him off. I put him off buying this 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 lens. But he listened to me, which was <laughs> never sure why Paul ever listens to me, but he did that time at least. Anyway, and um, and then you did your video, and um, and your video, and we can talk. We should talk about this a, a little bit more. But I'm going to paraphrase it now. And uh, you you started your video off with a a, a modern Schneider lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a portrait shoot that you were doing, yeah. and so you took took a shot with that, and then you used several different um, old lenses, none of which you had a, a shutter. Um, mm-hmm. So you were you were you were guessing your your, your timings and uh, 
and using your hand as a shutter or lens cap as a shutter. Mm. And uh, and at the end of it, you finish it off with um, a modern lens again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's I, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but of all the you showed all the lens. Well, you showed you showed I know the, the photographs that worked. Um, because I know that you know, at the end of the day, if you're using your hand as a shutter, yeah, I screwed a few of them up, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Quite a few. The, <laughs> but that's it. But the thing is, the, the the first shot and the last shot with a with a modern sharp lens with a with a good the good shot or whatever were by mm. far the least interesting shots that you took. And, and I agree. Went, yeah, and the the others, every single one of them, had something about them which you could recommend as mm. as a, because. They gave something to, to the image that the modern lens did not at all. And from that, that got me out with that 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 Taylor Taylor Hobson lens. It made me adapt to see how many things I could put into my Copal 3 shutter. And there's loads of things I can put into a Copal there's 3. There's so many things you put in a Copal 3 yeah. shutter. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, I'm there thinking, oh, this, this dull lens, I can do something really interesting. That And that was directly because of your video. I'm glad to have... Uh... I don't know if inspired is the right word. I don't know. When I when I talk about inspiration, I think of somebody that I look up to, that I, you know, the, 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 a, a photographer who I wish to be like. Um, but I guess inspiration does, it, it is also um, just you feeling enthused, maybe, you know, the, the, and, and feeling the drive to get up and go and do things. And I think that's all I can really offer people. I'm not offering, um, you know, a kind of a, a, a something to aspire to. Um Perhaps it, was, perhaps it was more of a case of I can do better than that. <laughs> yeah, but it is. And that's fine. That's great. You know. Um, uh, and to be honest with you, like, uh, that the what I, I a lot of these videos that I do are just stuff that I want to do. You know, and what I really wanted to do was go and take all these lenses out and see what they look like. Um, okay. And the right thing to do uh, in order to genuinely compare them would be to uh, probably shoot with my um, my mannequin in my garage with fixed lighting um, and, and set up, you know, almost like one of those test sheets, you know, um, and just take each one and go through these lenses. I don't want to do that. And so uh, we uh, wander around a park with, um, with Mel uh, and it's very difficult to really compare the lenses because they're all different. Like all the shots are different. So, um, but I think you're right. And I like, they all did have, something interesting about them uh and and it makes me want to go out and in fact i'm i'm going to be starting you know you got matt marash has got his his, his large format fridays i'm going to be starting one lens wednesdays um nice. where we just head out with one single lens and try and do various different shoots with that one single lens and hopefully learn a bit more about it um because ultimately i came back and i, I do this kind of the, the, the wrap-up thing in my uh, studio this, this room um uh, at the end of it, and I can't really draw any conclusions. You know, I didn't learn anything from it um, uh, because there was no control. There was no, um, you know, no, no, nothing that we could really compare. But it, it, the 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 images that you get from them are certainly there. There are the lenses that I've used a few times now that I definitely like, um, and that's great. And that's I guess that's all I really wanted from doing it. So I was going to say like. Depends on how you want to define what you do or don't learn, right? Because, it, yeah, okay, you're not following a scientific process, but mm. very few people follow a genuine scientific process. Like, again, not many people are like that. And mm. when we try, we just get frustrated. So what you learn is like what the lens does actually do in the real world, how it actually shoots. Like functionally, this one shot great, but the results 
weren't any good. Like I'm sure it, when you're meandering through 120 cameras, there's some that are just super fun to shoot. Mm. The results are crap. And there's For some sure. that are giant nightmare to shoot and the results are brilliant. Like, and you just have to decide like what you're, what you're, you know, how much punishment you want to take for how much result or vice versa. Um, so I, I think it's kind of the same thing. If, if you do your one lens Wednesdays and you're looking at not less say from doing scientific, but like this was lens was great to shoot landscapes and it was awful to shoot portraits or vice versa, or it was just fun to shoot, but man, there's also lousy. So if you want a great experience just shooting and you don't care about the results, this lens is for you. Or if you want super sharp stuff and it's a nightmare, hmm. then maybe this lens is for you. Don't ever I think, try to shoot a drop with it. Yeah, I think that's it though. And the um, the, some of the when I did that lens video, there were some of them that I was using for the first time, um, and that's really difficult. Even shoot three, four frames with one lens, and then come back, uh, develop those, and try and draw conclusions from that is impossible, right? Um, right. Uh, one single outing with a lens and try and uh, give any kind of reasoned opinion on it. Uh, whereas there are a couple of lenses in there that I was using for the third time or the fourth time. And now I know that having seen, I've got that photo with this lens and I've got this image with this lens. Um, and, and now I've seen this, I can start to spot patterns and I might be wrong with it. Of course, that's perfectly possible. But uh, what, for example, the, um, the Emil Bush, uh, a plane at that, the, uh, from the, I've had that out maybe three or four times in really different situations. And I think I gave you the kind of conclusions on the end of that video where I think that, that it, it, the contrast seems to drop off a, a fair amount towards the edges of that lens and you get quite a nice sharp image in the middle. It's quite hard to define and it's quite hard to spot, but all I notice is that on each of my images, they're quite bright at the edges. Um, and, and, and not particularly well defined. And I can say the only way I'm ever going to, the only way I've ever managed to spot that is by taking it out four or five times um, and developing the, the images again and going, mm, I'm starting to see a pattern here. I wonder if it could be the lens right. rather than just me cocking it up, which is, you know, what I normally blame. Just as we've gone, gone quiet there, I was just reading the. Yeah, everyone's processing. Yeah, in uh, well, I'm just just in our uh, large format photography podcast uh, Facebook group at the moment, and uh, at the start of this podcast, I took a sneaky uh, screenshot and uh, posted it into the group. Oh yeah, yeah, thank and, you. That's uh, a very complimentary screenshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I appreciate that one. Yeah, and um, where is my phone? Yeah. <laughs> what are you? What are you up to? <laughs> Yeah, and um, yeah, and we've 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 had some comments there from um, people that I think everyone will know actually. Funnily enough, uh, James Lane uh, has <laughs> gone. Ooh, you know, um, and, um, there's our boy. And that that and you've met James. You've met James, and you've you've been to his house, if if I remember correctly. I did go to his house. Yeah. Um, God, I can't remember how any of these things ever come up. I basically I'll have some sort of harebrained idea and pick up the phone, and before you know, it, I'm sitting in someone's living room um, filming a video. Um, I wanted him. What was I doing? I was doing a, a kind of a you know test, another one of these utterly imperfect tests of something. Um, uh and i'd, I'd given five ten pyro go uh and again i was looking at it and, and rather than me making completely uneducated guesses uh, at, at why things were happening as they were i thought well let's just sit down with him and get him to look at it and tell me what he, you know what's going on um and he's he was great i sat down with him and and he basically looked at my negatives and said well this is shit <laughs> <laughs> this one's shit as well <laughs> um 
I know, but I think he was like, oh, oh, this is overdeveloped and this is underdeveloped. I was like, yeah, yeah, but let's talk about the 510 Pyro. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, I've had a fair, few, fair bit of his 510 Pyro out of him. Um, but it's yeah. good, you know, good. I think we're, we've all used it, have we? I've, I've yeah, seen... I, I think we're pretty much contractually obliged to mention five ten pyro once an episode, or James gets on our back. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, okay. Uh, sorry, I have never used pyro. Yeah, uh, and I've gone back to where where I do use it, um, Pyrocat HD. Sorry, James. Oh, oh my god! Oh, oh, I, I can't really. I can't deal with. I can't deal with. I can't deal with the gloop, the gloopiness of it. <laughs> and I know James often messages me. Hello, James. And uh, he shared me. He shared with me pictures of eggs and things, you know, with different levels of shadow detail. <laughs> and, I, and I and I and I get it, you know, I do get it. But you know, really, uh, you know, I, I'm. Oh, don't I don't get me started. But you know, I do. I do get it. And I and I think, you know, the beauties of any of the staining developers. And yeah, James. Okay, you know, yours is clearly much better at photographing eggs than anyone else's, um, in terms of shadow rendition and gradation. But um, the beauty of all these staining developers is they they just make life a lot easier for many photographers because they have this way of controlling highlights, you know, uh, and they all do it slightly differently. And some will say, well, this color cast, color stain will help, and that one won't, and that will overstain. And people will come up with all sorts of different reasons why you should use Pyrocat HD or 510 Pyro or PMK Pyro, and I've used all of them. And I've had, to be honest, I've had results that I love on all of them. And if you're getting results that you love, just don't stress over it, you know. Mm. You know, I think there is no there is no magic bullet, and I've told James there's no magic bullet, and I think he <laughs> agrees. Although he says he's he's, I know he's working on a few other developers, one of which seems to be the closest thing to a magic bullet that you can possibly uh, ever get. But then, you know, hey, I don't know. You know, we'll stick with the developer, work with it a little bit, and you know, you'll find that you'll fall in love with it. I'm sure. Whether it's five ten pyro, um, Rodnol, ID eleven. Um, HC110. Yeah, HC110, whatever. HC110. You can't buy anywhere. Has anybody anybody seen any HC110 on sale for the, in the last six I months? I use, the, I use no. the, one of the generic versions thereof. Well, isn't the lab gone tits up? The, the, is it Sinos? The, the people who make... I don't know. There's a company that makes all the chemicals for Kodak, and I'm sure they're... Oh, they just stop making doors. it. Close the doors. Well, I've got a bottle of um, Kodak sold their, Yeah. Say, they did. Kodak sold yeah. their chemical to uh, a company in China. They sold everything for their know, chemicals to I a company know. based in Hong Kong or something, yeah. and they went under. Yeah. Oh, is that right? So, so is HC110 so. yeah. gone? I know that um, uh, I think so. yeah. FPT, uh, Film they're making something, aren't they? Yeah. And so, okay. are Bellini, so are Bellini and Ilford. I don't know where Ilford will be sourcing they're from i mean technol supply a lot of ilford stuff so i don't know whether they're and legacy doing... pro legacy pro uh i've got a bottle of ilford tech hc uh which i'd never used someone get ben mills gave it to me along with a load of other stuff and some stainless steel spirals that i sent to our beloved simon and um i've had nice negatives that make nice prints from all these things you know and mm. i don't know oh, people say oh yeah but you're just making nice prints you should be making <laughs> prints that glow and i said yeah Probably should. You know. <laughs> yeah. This is my problem with all of your inner glow, Andrew. You have an inner glow, and they're just disappointed when your prints don't match your inner glow. I know. Yeah, that's because I'm not using five ten pyro. Yeah. So my my problem with all of these 
products or anything that I test or, or um, use on my job. What I do is just not consistent enough. Like I can't. No, me neither. It's uh, until you're until you're a proper professional fine art photographer, then you can start really digging down into the difference between this stain and development. Oh, but and then when you're developer. a, fo- but then no, because when you're a fine art photographer, you then just get some photo emulsion and slap it onto some watercolor paper in a fairly <laughs> haphazard manner. Do some little swirls for the sky. And and I'm not I'm not bit, I'm not taking the Mickey at all. I'm really serious that you know he's producing images that sell in galleries and stuff. You know and mm. and but you know I know Graham's uh, Graham's not a you know he, he doesn't go into that much detail over the technicalities of uh, of de- of developing and different types of developers. You know so. Uh, I know. I mean, I will admit, I was just like meandering back through my train of thought of of making my own negatives. Because, like, back to Nick's point about large front photography being the 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 sort of pinhole, like his pinhole is the most simplest lens you can imagine. Mm. Um, But you know, large format being as pure a form of photography as possible, it's a um, also making your own negatives sort of like boils it down one more. Right, like you're making your own negatives. If you're an idiot like me, you make your own lenses, and you know, and make your own cameras. Um, so you just go one step further. It's like, but I don't know if I have also to the next point, like the the control of process of consistent process to do it properly, right? So that my emulsion doesn't float off the paper when I'm developing and like turn to crap or whatever. And then you spend all that time doing a shoot or. You know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for a, a, a paid piece because that's just what I do, and then have a chance to be crap, and it's like I'll never be able to, to go back and get those portraits again, or because hmm. um, the event is done, or whatever I'm reporting on is over, right? So that's that's probably my. So you want to I mean, use... you want to do your fine art stuff? You just said, Andrew, just just to say that I've built everything from start to finish. Yeah, but like that's the one place where you can't just kind of fucking wing it, right? Mm. I'm not really talking about winging it. I know Gra- Graham's, you know, makes nice negatives, you know, and he can make yeah, normal darkroom prints with his negatives, which have got lovely shadow detail and his highlights aren't overblown. But he he then chooses to use liquid emulsion on watercolor paper, and he's not looking for the perfect, is he? He's looking mm-hmm. for something that yeah. Well, that's my point. Gives him that someone like of, Graham, yeah, like somebody like Graham has that control of process. Like he has the ability to do it again and again and again with the watercolor paper and the emulsion. Like he has, um, like scientific process, right? Like boom, boom, boom. Whereas like people like, you know, not to, to pull you in here, Nick, but like Nick or I are just like <laughs> going in there and flailing around and like pounding on things with sticks and seeing what happens. And if you ask yeah. us to do the same thing twice, we're gonna have a really hard time doing that, right? That, that's a just, good summary of what I do, actually. Yeah. You know, oh, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. I should do that again. I don't remember how yeah. I did that exactly. Like, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And then when it comes yeah. down to the, the the fine differences between tonality of one developer versus another developer, then you're really like, well, I'm certainly not doing it justice. But it's fun to play with, and it's certainly fun to try different things. And but it does. I think what it really comes down to, and the the, the love of large format is more to do with the process. It's more to do with the the combination of all of these different pe- technical aspects coming together in one single moment to create an image that I'm finally happy with. 
Um, and then, as Eric says, then I'll never be able to replicate that moment. And that moment is gone. We have one image. You, you said somewhere in one of your videos that mm. you're a lover of landscape, but you've hardly <laughs> ever made a landscape picture that you're happy with. So tell us, the, tell us more pro, about that. the process of landscape photography, in other words, camera on my back, you know, and, yeah. and marching through the countryside on my own, sit on a yeah. rock and stare thoughtfully into the distance. That's my happy place. Um, but I just landscape photographs taking and I, so I want to do it with a camera you know I want to, I want to go walking through the countryside with a camera and I want to I want to take images that I come back and go oh there you go um and I don't I I take images I come back and go do you that? think it's do you think Isn't it's because it? you're just not dedicated enough I, and I'm not being disparaging I think it's I'm, because I'm, I'm, I'm shit at it Andrew yeah but I'm the same as you you see because <laughs> I love I, I like the process I like going out into the fens with a large format camera and it's very meditative and mm. peaceful. It's a bit like fishing. You know, sometimes people go fishing and they sit there all day long and they don't catch anything, but they just enjoy it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and I've made that comparison. In fact, I think I actually edited it out of, um, uh, of one of my videos, that exact comparison, is it is like fishing. Mm. Um, uh, but, and it is that, like you say, meditative and, um, uh, you but know. You've got to get up. You've got to, if you watch any of Ben Horn, Ben Horn's been a guest on this, uh, on this, on this program. We teased him. Well, I teased him a little bit because I'm an avid fan of, of Ben and watch all his videos. Mm. And um, he goes, he goes into the canyons, slot canyons, and he goes uh, to uh, uh, Death Valley, and he goes to these places year after year after year for the last 10, 12 years. So he knows the, he knows the place intimately, the places intimately. He knows the landscape intimately and he gets up he starts his videos you know and it's like dark it's like four o'clock mm. in the morning and he's got he's all got his woolly hat on he's drinking his tea and i thought i just could never get up at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> with my gear to go to be in the right spot he says oh, i've got to be at this sort of spot then i know that come you know eight o'clock in the morning i'm going to get reflected light bouncing off this canyon wall and mm. the images go and and of course he produces these st stunning slide you know eight by tens uh uh, transparencies because he puts the effort in you know and i well, can't be you, asked if I quite transparency, you better. sorry eric <laughs> that's expensive man if you get to shoot eight yeah. by ten chrome yeah. you better uh, so put when the he, effort when in. he, make, when he makes when he makes a mistake he'll say oh he'll say that's twenty dollars just gone down the pan or something but he he doesn't often you know yeah. and he's, he's he's spending all day he's only exposing probably you know at most uh, if he shoots four frames that's a lot him you know but then he's selling his work you know he's selling prints he's selling books and mm. um you know and I, I think he's probably given up his day he was working in the store somewhere i know i think he might have given that up now i'm not sure people you know people uh, pay to can subscribe to his channel and stuff mm. so uh yeah he puts the effort in and if you watch any of his videos you'll see and that and i think that's probably what it takes to be a landscape so, I, I think you're I, absolutely I, spot yeah. on with that, Andrew. I really do. And, and I, if I, I'm not in a position life-wise where I can commit that kind of time, unfortunately. No, I have said this before that, that um, I, you know, I've tried to, to set aside three, four hours, but even that's not enough. And especially if you're wandering aimlessly, hoping to stumble across. An, you know, uh, yeah, but, uh, you, yeah, but you see, Ben will then be, before he goes on his trip, he'll be, Pouring over the maps and this this app and that app and seeing which way the sun's coming from because he's got an app that shows him that and he'll be planning it and he'll drop his pins in at various places so that's what you're supposed to do you know 
absolutely and i've done similar and i do have um apps that will tell me where the sun's going to be but ultimately what the time that i get there is dictated by my four-year-old and my six-year-old not yeah. by not by by yeah. photographic you know um the pursuit of photographic perfection um so yeah and i think ultimately i'm not going to stop taking landscape photo photographs because i love the process yeah um but i have yet to like even when i um i did put a video out a couple of weeks ago where i was up in snowdonia i was taking landscapes on the uh the, the bronica etrs um and some of those were nice they were they were nice images but i look at them and i just like pfft. You know, so what are you after then, right? Well, if you're I'd, not getting I'd, what you want, that means that you need to stop thinking about if, the Eric, traditional if I knew landscape that, and look for something that you want. If I knew what I wanted, Eric, then I'd go and get it. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. See, I think it, the thing is, Nick, I think some, mm. when I, you know, I've got large format cameras and I've got um, decent medium format cameras. I've got one decent 35 millimeter camera. But the images that please me most in print and uh, I come back to time and time again the ones I've made with my Holger or with my pinhole camera. Really? And, and, and I think it's because the same reason you're talking about old lenses, you know, with, you know, swirly gigs and whirly gigs, <laughs> because they're just a bit different. You know, I can produce, I can take my RB67 out and produce a beautifully sharp image of a Fenland scene, uh, but it's not, it's not speaking to me really in the way that, um, I've been on blue sky. I've been sharing some Polaroid, some old Polaroid pictures I've done over the last 10 years of Fenland. And when I, when I relook at those, I think, yeah, this is, this is how I connect with the landscape through these more imperfect images. And, and I struggle then to see. So, so then when I take my RB out, I think, well, what am I, you know, what am I, what am I doing with it really? You know? I think this is exactly it, and this is exactly the, the process that goes through my head when I'm I'm out. So the, the I came back with the, and I'm super impressed with this Bronica ETRS, as, as you'll have seen from some of the videos. That it, it's a it's a it's a cracking camera, um, super uh, sharp images. And I came back and I, I I developed these negatives, and I looked at it and thought that is a very accurate representation of what I saw on the day. Yeah, well done, me. Um, <laughs> Could have used your iPhone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but am I gonna am I gonna print it and stick it on the wall? Isn't it? Yeah. No, no, yeah. Mm. So yeah, this yeah. this is a, it's a, a subject in which I'm doing a lot of soul searching. I've got a book actually. I don't know if you've seen it. Is it called Landscape Beyond? We just can I see if I can find it? It's just here. One second. Yeah. It was did Buzz Lightyear write that? Yeah. This one, sorry, the, I think Landscape Beyond is the second one. So this one's Landscape Within um, by David oh, Ward. Have you seen that one? No, you shouldn't be giving me book recommendations. I've got far too many. Uh, this is What's a, it called? Tell me Landscape Landscape, one, Landscape Within. Um, and uh, he specifically is, this... is, is looking into and talking about um, the why of landscape yeah. photography as opposed to the how. Yes. Um, uh, and so I've actually it's, it has struck a bit of a chord, and it has helped with my, um, you know, kind of thought process um, when heading out to, to, you know, head, heading out on a walk. And maybe I need to start thinking about it as landscape photography. Well, if you, if you go back and listen to, uh, as we've started getting guests on again for the second time round, 
Uh, we must have Steve Segersby on again soon. And Steve is part of um, that posh term, a collective called the <laughs> Inside the Outside. Inside the Outside, which is just a brilliant name. It's a group of landscape photographers, and, and they publish, they, they, there's four or five of them, and they bring people in to, with the same kind of ethos as they have. And so it's landscape, but it's in, so they're outside, but it's inside. So it's about getting inside the landscape creatively, metaphorically, thoughtfully. So it's much more about the why than the how, like you said. So that's, um, mm. and, and we, I think when we talk, Steve, we get on talking about, you know, expressive photography and you know, all that stuff about, you know, putting emotion into image making um so the, which probably touches on your landscape within book what was the, what's the name of the author david ward okay yeah and what do you well, so have you read it uh about half of it maybe i tend okay. to kind of dip and what, in and out what, of it what do you um what, what have you taken away from it so far uh what i've taken from it is uh Thinking about thing, thinking about things differently, and looking at um, trying to capture the emotion of, of, of or, or trying to capture a memory of what I'm feeling at the time, if that mm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, from from that point of view, those photos I took with the Bronica ETRS are not necessarily bad images. You know, if I if I sit down with those and and um, and look back at them, am I transported back to that moment? Because this is there's, there's two separate things there uh, within this 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 landscape um, block or whatever you want to call it that I have. One is what are good images that I think are good images, and then there's what are good images that I think other people will think are good images, um, and. Uh, Therefore, what am I looking for something that appeals to me or am I looking for something that I think is good uh, with our kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the how we judge things as a, as a, as a ph- photography society, if that makes sense. And so from the point of view of what I think is good and what actually strikes an emotional chord with me, those ETRS images, those those very sharp, sharp, accurate representations of the scene that was in front of me um, are good. You know they do strike a chord with me. I do enjoy looking at them. I have gone back and looked look at them again, um, but I don't think that they are the sort of thing. I wouldn't enter them into any any competitions. Let's put it that way. Um, so I don't know. It is we can um, I can get really in the weeds here with this stuff. No, I've, I've I love it. I saw love... myself right in the corner. I um, I'm I'm a huge fan of of uh american photographer richard misrach and i don't know if you know his work but he uh, he started photographing uh, certainly with large format photo- photographs in uh in the american desert in uh the sultan sultan sea is that right sultan yeah, the, sea, yeah. Sultan sultan sea. sea. Yeah, that's right. yeah. and um it, most recently you can find him on youtube for and he talks for about an hour his slideshow presentation he did this series of books, um, Desert Cantos, and Cantos means groups of th- songs and music in sequence and in in groups of ideas. So he, he was photographing out in the, in the in the desert, and he found that he was, as he was compiling his images, there were themes emerging, 
and he put them into groups and published his book called Desert Cantos. And then he spent uh, time. Oh, I'd love to get him on this show. Then he spent time uh, photographing, and Eric will chime with this along the uh, American border with uh, with with Mexico. And he produced a body of work called Border Cantos, and that's what the YouTube video is. And I'd highly recommend going to look at it. And, I, and I've managed to get a copy of Border Cantos, and the, the, the exhibition paired his images with musical installations by a sound by a mexican i think he's mexican or, or argentinian installation artist sound artist uh, who, because i wasn't prepared to be talking about this i can't remember his name but he's, he's mentioned mm. in the book and he appears on the video so for instance there richard finds shoes discarded by the wall and he said i can only imagine you know someone's got over the wall i mean and by the wall he goes into what the different types are he shows well, hey, this wall kind of ends here. People can walk around it, or this wall looks like um, something from World War Two, or this bit's repurposed from Area Fifty One, and and he, and he's very much into the meaning of the wall and what it represents. And then the found images, the found objects he finds, he takes back to his sound artist, who then makes musical instruments from them. So this whole installation. You've got his videos, his sound, this, the sound made by things that were found and Richard's images. And it's just taking landscape photography to a really high level. Mm. Uh, uh, and I love all that thoughtful stuff. So Richard Misrach, M-I-S-R-A-C-H, and he, he's, um, he's published in the also in the Aperture Workshops, Photography Workshops series, which, again, if you want books about thoughtful photography, um, that little series by Aperture, uh, work photography workshop series they're all about 15 to 20 quid each and he, and richard has one of those and there's there's a todd Hydo has one that does all the nighttime houses and stuff they're, and there's probably half a dozen of those and they're and they're not technique books mm. they're they're all the wide in the same way as i've just i've just seen your um landscape within and i, I saw new copies for about 25 30 quid and then on a books I can get one for three pound delivered. So, um, <laughs> and it's they've all got five star ratings. So, if you're into that sort of thoughtful landscape photography, if you if you're going through the same sort of issues that I go through, and you clearly do, Nick, from what you're saying yeah. about why yeah. am I doing this, and what what, what <laughs> then take some inspiration from someone like David Ward or Richard Mizrach, go onto YouTube, and uh, and maybe that'll inspire you to take some of those thoughts and ideas and apply them into your own world. You know. And maybe that'll boost your creativity and give some meaning to your photography, you know, if if that's what you're struggling with. I will certainly be uh, looking up Richard Misery. That sounds amazing. Um, I would love to go and yeah, look at his stuff. Beautiful. I'm looking at it right now. It's absolutely. Have you found Border Cantos? Really, really go and look at the yeah, when you yeah. get when you get an hour, both of you go and look at the YouTube. His um, uh, on Border Cantos. It is he stands at a lectern and he shows his pictures and he talks about the images and his uh, uh, and the stories behind them and it's just brilliant and and i've got i've got desert cantos and border cantos books Ooh. really good it's one of those embarrassing yeah, silences gonna, again no 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 i was because i was just staring at the at that book um i was going to say going back to the the topic and also it plays in what richard misrach is doing because he's making really like he's combining images and like I just got some of his books. He's he's not making like perfect photos, right? Like not everything is 
shirt from start to finish. He's no, you know, like James, like your hero, uh, Fee, James Fee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, a, there's another one, and James Fee. You know, James Fee is the man. Um, but that brings me back to like what you were talking about because I have a, a Bronica DRSI mm-hmm. um, as well, and you're right, it's a brilliant camera. Um, I sometimes struggle with it a little bit with like the auto exposure part and trusting it to make the right exposures, but that's just me being a distrustful person. Um, and, uh, and, um, the lenses are brilliant. Like I've, I've used those lenses on my Fuji GFX, right. And just adapted them over because six four five to the Fuji GFX is about as close as you can get mm. for like true to true. Um, but also I've attempted to make my own lenses for the Bronica and it gets really difficult because it's a leaf shutter and electronically controlled leaf shutter. So you have to, um, I should have one right here. Dirty. I've got to take this thing out and shoot with it, but you have to take like an existing ETRS lens. That's got a, uh, still a functioning electronic shutter, but, sh- but crap glass and rip the glass out and then put your own glass into it. Um, but that is one way to make really imperfect photos with your Bronic ETSRI is to just mm. to mess with the lenses somehow. Um, that is, um, that is uh, a next, uh, one of the things on my list actually is inspired by you, Eric, in fact, is, is uh, <laughs> making my own lens. I would like to build a lens for myself. But I, do you know what? I did want to ask you actually. What Message me, you, man. We can talk. I will do. I mean, I, I'm curious yeah. to know whether you actually, I mean, you, you can't just build lenses through trial and error, do you? You, you must have some kind of, do, do you? You just you just glue glass together it's, and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. Um, well, the, the most, there is a very basic, as, as Jason Lane um, will politely call it, like back of the envelope formula mm-hmm. for figuring out focal lengths. Okay. That just kind of gets you in, in the rough vicinity of, of what at least the, the effective focal length will be mm. and then from there you just wing it like i bought glass elements from the surplus shed that on math will give me the right focal length lens and the, the right back focal length you know it'll give mm. me what i need but then like you put them together and the image is just shite it's just <laughs> I'm, I'm using the proper british vernacular yeah other shite you know and it's like crap that's just not good but i've also used others it's like within the same sort of focal length and it's like oh man i'm gonna buy as many of these mm. optical almost as i bloody well can because this combination is awesome you know like these punch way above their weight for seven dollars fifty cents in optical element you know but these god i'll never buy these again and of course i forget Right, because I don't actually make notes, and then later I'm like, oh, I need to make a, a 200 millimeter lens, and I like buy them. I'm like, oh, I bought these; they must have been good. And then I get them, like, oh, these are crap. Why did I buy these again? <laughs> and they go into the pile of that exact same, like, slowly growing pile of that exact same piece of glass that's just complete shite. Um, but no, it's basically like, what focal length do you want to do, and and how large of a of an image do you want to cover, hmm. um, which is a rough diameter, and then you just yeah, start. Yeah. You take out the stick and start banging on it until you like, <laughs> get a combination of things. I've got a. Um, I'm a terrible photographic hoarder. I literally have this my my office and the, my loft and my garage is just full of stuff. Um, yeah, I've got uh, masses of um, projection lenses that I've managed to gather and collect from various yes. places. And uh, some of them, are, I've got like a, I don't know where the hell I got it from, but it's like they're Kodak projection lenses. They're huge. They're like the, the front element's like this big. Dude. Um, yes. And 
uh, I could actually, if I was to to um, steal elements um, from from that, those and some other um, lenses that I've got, and if I could make just one lens that's really nice, I could potentially replicate it and make three or four and 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 share them yeah. with people. That that's quite appealing for me. Um, yeah, but. Uh, beyond i've got do you know what i picked up the other day it was uh, in another one of my um acquisitive um bits was a an ilford manual of photography from like 1890 something or other and it's got some wonderful descriptions of um the uh, construction of very early lenses um right. and so that's great so i now have this kind of um some sense of the, the pieces that i'm looking for in order to make a functioning lens that could do something um but then the next step is, I don't know, like I, I, in my kind of head, I, I have an idea that I'm, I'm just going to uh, create a jig, basically, that I, where I can move different lenses in different distances apart and see what they do to the image projected on Earth. It's, that's, that, my friend, is called an optical workbench. And you an can, optical workbench. All right. Yep, yep. And you can just, um, they actually have them in science. They can buy them from, uh, from classroom education supply stores because they have them for like high school science classes i mean i may look into that with, or i might just i might just make yeah. it out of wood that's they're, they're kind of cool actually because they'll have like a target card right with mm, with yeah, something yeah. on it see how sharp things are and then mm. it's a rail kind of like a one rail camera basically exact it is the exact same theory as a one rail four by five camera mm -hmm. right and then it's got little clips on it with different sizes so you can put off elements and then you slide them around Mm -hmm. And then you see how it focuses on the card here, um, mm. and they're they're you know because they're classroom supplies they're pretty cheap, or you can, you can DIY bench. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll send you some some links, but there's yeah, you thanks. can sometimes get them at, at surplus places for super super cheap. But that's basically all you're doing. Think of it as building your own, or you can take if you get another like one rail camera, right? It's yep. the same sort of thing. You just a rail and a couple clips and optical elements. That's basically what I was going to do. Yeah, I was going to use. In fact, I was going to use a slider. I've got a, a slider outside. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Apologies, so Eric. We can no, take no. this offline. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I, I, I mean, some people like this stuff. It's why, why these guys keep asking me back. It's just so weird. Um, <laughs> Eric, I'm waving to you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just. I've, I've got to. I've got to interrupt because um, a quarter of this podcast is is going to leave us very, very soon. Um, and that call to being uh, Andrew Bartram. Uh, but she's got to go to work. I, I, I assume he's going to deliver some yeah. groceries or something. I've got to go and deliver some groceries. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, how, 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 literally how long? Have we, have we got three minutes, four minutes of you? Or, yeah, about uh, that. Yeah, I need yeah. to be going in the next five minutes, really. Okay. Um, oh, five minutes? Holy hell. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't realise what the time was. Time's flown, you see. We've been... Well, yeah, Brian. Yeah, no, I think great. I think I think this episode has come under the under the uh, category of a good chat mm. um, because we've just gone all over the place, haven't we? I mean, what's you this know. been about? It's been about everything. Stuff. Yeah. Exactly. And I think there's a there's it's going to continue a little bit longer after after Andrew goes. So uh, um, so let's uh, let let's let Andrew uh, have his his final thoughts. <laughs> his thoughts for the day and um and also we can do shout outs and uh and, and things like that before you run away yeah well yeah Andrew. Do, do do talk about uh the post i made don't do it now because it'll take too long um the post i made earlier about your mystery object it's a bit like there used to be a program on the tv the guy with the beard his name what was his name and he used to ride a horse and cart at the beginning and smoke a pipe 
and out of town that was what it was called yeah yeah called no, you mean jack, great jack 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 somebody oh the and music the, yeah, was and, great as well and he would um he would go in his shed and talk about country stuff and at the end he'd bring out an object and say now then he says uh, what uh i've got this here what do you what do you think this was you know and so this is exactly i'm waving this at the camera because people listening aren't going to see it but um i shared a photograph of this object that simon sent me and uh, i do know what it is and i guessed what it was and uh, there's a, there's a few guesses on there and eric will read those out in, in a little while when i've gone and simon can talk about it because <laughs> it kind of fits in uh, with what we began talking to our guest earlier about as as well so uh, do do talk about that and it'll give simon a plug because he's um thinking about going into production with these weird devices which uh, i think you should uh, yeah w w whatever it is and we will uh, eventually you will learn what it is so that's it um simon i've got one shout out if that's all right can i do a shout out absolutely so i was um i was um trying to get into the realms of trying to understand how accurate my large format shutters were and I, I think i spoke to simon what sort of shutter test did you use and and i did a bit of a google search and this thing came up Phil, filmomat photo plug which uh first call photographic it's like an optical sensor uh, that you plug into your phone there's a free app that you can download filmomat app which you, you don't need this sensor but you just have to put your phone up against the shutter and it listens to the, the noise of the shutter opening and closing and gives you a graph and if you're lucky, you'll be able to work out what the what the speed is now and what the deviation is between different settings. And um, I just yeah. mentioned online that there's this uh, for thirty quid, you can get this little optical sensor that plugs into your phone. Anyway, Steve Jack, um, I think it was on Instagram or maybe or maybe in Facebook. I can't remember now. Um, was very kind. Of, he said uh, he just piped up in a thread and said, "Oh, I've got one of those. I don't use it. Would you like it?" And um, he, he said, "I'll stick it in the post." tomorrow and and weeks and weeks went by i said steve i said i think uh, i think it's got lost you know he said oh i did one day so i just put a normal stamp on it so about <laughs> about two months later i get um oh a card through the door saying you owe one pound fifty in postage you know and lo and behold it was this little um little little light sensor um so i've not used it yet but steve i don't even know i don't even know if you listen to this uh, but I'll give him a shout out anyway because he was kind enough to send me this little optical center, sensor that I can plug into my iPhone and it works with the app, the Filmomat Photo Plug app, shutter it's, speed it's, tester. It's very good, actually, Andrew. I've got one here. There you there go. go. That's it. Yeah. And to make it work on your iPhone, you need one of those little doodars, don't you, to plug it in. That yeah. little doodar there, which I had to buy. It's very good. I've used that for most whenever I get a new camera. And uh, you have to find a bright light. So you like that? I've I've got a like an LED torch. I can Just make sure the LED doesn't flicker, because that will cause you some grief at the higher shutter speeds. Um, so you. Yeah, get I did some read LEDs that it there. was more more accurate at those lower ones. How do I know if it flickers or not? Uh, wave it around and or wave your hand in front of it like that and see if you get it kind of if it starts strobing. Oh, okay. Well, on that use note, it to I'll light look. yourself on a video camera like you were earlier this morning. Yeah, and then you'll get the yeah. You know... That's what it was then. That's because that's some kind of yeah. LED thing in this. Uh... Yeah, okay. mm -hmm. Right. Well, there we are. Well done. That's another <laughs> yeah. subject: shutter speed testing. So, you know. Yeah. 
Gentlemen, Thanks. I'm going to love you and leave you. I've got to go and, I've got to go and get well, changed into my uh, uh, well, Superman very, very, costume. <laughs> very, very quickly, Andrew, so we don't have to remember. Um, <laughs> how can people uh, look at the things that you do? So all your your social media outlets, which are growing by the by the day at the moment, aren't they? Well, I'm still on Twitter. I'm, I'm very sad about where Twitter's going, but I'm still on Twitter at Warboys Snapper. Um, but I'm more and more despondent with it, despite my best attempts at blocking and muting and you know, you, the feeds are just flooded with all sorts of unacceptable stuff. Um, but you can still find me there at Warboys Snapper or just type my name in. And also on Instagram, Warboys Snapper or Andrew Bartram, you'll find me. Um, you can listen to me interviewing pinhole photographers on the Lensless podcast. Got about 134, 135 episodes to catch up on if you're bored. Uh, yeah, and that's about it, really. Excellent. Well, uh, you have a good evening, and uh, it's great that you've been able to stay with us as long as you have. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Well, enjoy the rest of the podcast, yeah, and uh, uh, catch up soon. Bye-bye. Adios. See you, bud. And uh, for our, our listeners now uh, who are still with us, um, you may realise that there will not be any more notes after this point. <laughs> Because uh, Andrew, Andrew is the one that takes all the notes. So if, and if anything actually happens of interest and you want to look it up, um, then there may be difficulty. So you may, you may be best uh, just pressing pause and listen to it again. Uh, that's probably going to be the, uh, the, the the best way. Um, well, let, let's um, do what Andrew just suggested. Um, so, Eric, if you're able to find your way over to the Large Format Photography Podcast Facebook group, on Facebook, um, there, <laughs> is that what that would be? Exactly. <laughs> there, there is there is a post on there um, by Andrew somewhere. Um, I've got to say, my internet is very slow, with, largely because we're doing this podcast, no, no doubt. And um, so, if you can find Andrew's last post or um, or one of his last posts, you'll see a picture of a thing, and. Uh, uh, I don't oh know yeah, that thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. That's it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, it? and that is a device that I I have made, uh, devised. And uh, and before we talk about what it actually is, um, Andrew posted the picture of it, and he then invited people to say what it is they thought it was or what it might be. Um, with I mean, the view, that, yeah. uh, I like the overhead gizmo drive myself. That's a good answer. Exactly. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, if you would just go go through some of these, uh, uh, all or selected, which it's it's completely up to you. Um, if you want to make your way through that, because there's quite a few. So, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I can do that. I mean, yeah. I think Greg Ops has the best answer, but you know, um, I'll get to that one. Um, Steve Lloyd cheats, so we're not going to read Steve Lloyd's. Yeah, um, what do you do? yeah, yeah. We have from Bill Orford some sort of strap to hold a tripod jimmy hickford thinks it's a four by five sheet film developing reel <laughs> ben reynolds why that um ben reynolds when he's like properly doing his name i know you sir a tripod leg holder what um or a multi-angle phone holder stuart james arnold says it's obviously an overhead gizmo drive for a pinhole camera machine obviously obvi guy bellingham or what do we decide guy's actual name is? Guy Shrimpton. Guy Shrimpton says, is it removing, is it for removing horses' hooves out of camera lenses? Um, 
And Stuart James Arnold wonders whether not he, you, uh, Simon, are working on the next device for putting them in, as in putting the camera lenses into the horseshoes. Um, Michael Lawrence probably has the right of it. It's a failed attempt at sculpted art, clearly. And then perhaps my favorite answer from, from Greg Obst. A 3D printed left-handed dual polarity grand culaculator in black. <laughs> that was definitely the closest answer. That's <laughs> definitely the, the closest one. And I and I and I fobbed up his an, his answer. It's actually a, a 3D printed left-handed dual polarity grand culator. I wanted to say that, like, have you ever watched, you know, as kids, the um Warner Brothers cartoons with Marvin the Martian? You know, the, the, the Martian is up there and he's always yeah. trying to build like a, 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 a 3D space modulator. I should have said Greg's answer like that. <laughs> a dual polarity grand calculator. Um, but alas, I didn't, but I just did. Jason Lane, a failed design for a stepladder. Reminds me of my stepladder. I never knew my real ladder. That's <laughs> <laughs> not being part. utterly brilliant. He's also kind of funny. Um, <laughs> Richard Moore. Getting snow or mud off your wellies, which I do actually think that that would work. Um, William Furness thinks it's a sleigh for squirrels, which it would probably also work. Um, Alex M -M -M Morrison says it's a miniature bike rack. Billy Sanford wonders if it's an ornate bog roll holder. Can someone explain to me what a bog roll is? I was just going to say, the, the way you just said that, it sounds like you don't actually know what that is. Now, Billy Sanford's American, and he knew. So, come on. You've not, you've what not is a bog roll holder? Toilet roll. Oh. A bog, a bog is another okay. word for a toilet in, in the UK. Got it. Or in rest, this case. Sorry, sorry yeah, okay. restroom. <laughs> there you go. Because yeah. you used to go out back and, and do it in the bog in the back? Maybe. Um, cause I think, I think of bog and I think of swamp, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. anyways, which is a good place to, to, to do it. If you're going to do it, um, Bill Orford, mind you, it could be a trust support, a trust to support us while carrying our gear around. Yeah. I mean, you know, that goes into the, with the bike rack thing. Um, and Tommy Anthony says something to reroll 120 film into shorter rolls, maybe. Question mark. Okay, well, not a bad good. guess. I mean, it does look like it could be something to re-roll four by five, like sheet film into a four by five roll film, uh, or eight by ten sheet film into an eight by ten roll film. You know, a la um, James Guerin and his crazy ass eight by ten roll film panoramic camera. Yes, Nick, you you heard that right. <laughs> um, only James, if you listen to this. God bless you, sir. We love you for your insanity. Well, I've, I've got to say, everybody actually managed to fail that. I'm not entirely sure exactly how hard they were trying. Um, I've, it's I've, not I've, a ground I've, calculator? Yeah. Ground so, calculator? Um, yeah, or a, a slave for squirrels. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I've, I've got to congratulate Nick here because uh, I sent a photograph of part of this item. Just um, one part, in fact. Yeah, it was like... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just a single part, and it might not have even been. It might have been a prototype part. I can't quite, can't actually quite remember. And uh, and actually, you came up with quite a few suggestions about what it could be. Um, 
and the first one was pretty much on the money and then it just got ridiculous as as, as it went further down the list but um but yeah, uh, what it's what it is, it is a drying rack for four by five film, um, which is not the first time anybody's ever made a drying rack for four by five film or or even three D printed one. Um, but what it is, it came it came out of something a few years ago when I when I decided I should really make one of these things, and and what I felt though was the 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 ones where you drop the film uh, vertically down into. Um, they sort of are relatively easy to load. I mean, they're always going to be a little bit fiddly, but they, it was relatively easy to load. But what would happen is when you wanted to actually, when the when you needed it to dry, you would end up with a load of uh, moisture at the, all the way along the bottom edge. And it would just collect there and it would take much longer to actually get rid of. I mean, you can shake it off and you can do what you like, but uh, but in, that's that's always going to be a, a, a negative about doing that. Um, the alternative is 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 having the the film on a diagonal, um, so that the 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 lowest point is a point, and uh, and this is exactly the way that uh, dry plates are usually dried. Um, they have a rack that uh, and it basically touches the the stuff touches down in about two or maybe three points. Or maybe maybe four points, but they, they sit at a forty-five degree angle. But if you do that with film, it, it flops about all over the place, and it, it's just it, there just isn't enough support. So and and I was thinking, and not only that, it's actually quite awkward to actually load it as well, even even more awkward. So I'm thinking, what we needed is the best of both, and uh, and you know, I'm still working on the, uh, the the title of this, but I'm uh, currently running with the. Uh, uh, Tiltomatic 2000 um, <laughs> yeah. film, uh, film holder, but we, I think, I think that might change into something else with the world with tilting in. I it. think it's going to be the Gronculator 2000. Yeah. <laughs> tilting Gronculator. Yeah. Tilting Gronculator 2000. Yeah. Um, right, we're, we're done here. Yeah, Anybody we're want done. product naming yeah. suggestions? This we, this group has got you. Uh, we, that's a mic drop right there. Um, so. Um, um, anyway, I'm done with this. So, yeah, so so I've come up with something that um, you drop the film into it in the way in the way you would normally do with a conventional one of these these racks. But there's a bit that sticks out, or two bits that sticks out, which means that you can push it over, and then it sort of falls over. But then it stops. So there's a level of mild peril. Is as it is it is it going to go onto the floor? Is it, is it are things going to come out? No, no, it stops, and it stops in the position that puts the uh, the film on a, on a diagonal. It's not, a, it's not 45 degrees, I think it's about 35 degrees, actually, which is good enough. I've decided that that's scientifically better than 45 degrees. Don't ask me why I think that. Um, and, uh, and and that's it. So it's, it's easy to load, and it'll get the, get, it'll, it will dry your film quicker, um, and it looks cool as well, because it just does not look like what it is. Uh, and that was quite deliberate. So, um, so yeah, so I will be, I will be launching that uh, very, very soon. Um, there's a few things I still need to work on, um, but the good thing about it is, uh, as I have, as you've already heard, I've sent one to Andrew, and Andrew's given some great feedback, including the fact that it fits uh, wet plates as well. So it, it can be used for wet plates, and it can be used for film. So therefore, it can also be used for uh, ze zebra uh, dry plates. Um, right, tin types. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Use, and, and which chemical do you use on that again? Ammonia. Ammonium thiocyanate. That's it. I just wanted to hear yeah. that again. Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 Which is super interesting because I was looking that up and it's typically used in, um, I want to say, it, it can be used as a fixer or partially in development. Like it's, it's so it's super interesting. Because like, what the hell is that usually? Like, where do you get it? And you can get it from 
photoformularies, the usual like suspects of photochemistry. Mm. I was like, but if it's not intended to be used this way, what the hell is it intended to be used for? So it's 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 kind of bizarre that he, I don't know. I guess I should go watch his video and see like what train of thought led him to be like. I wonder if I dump this in here, what'll happen? I, I assume, and I, I, I might have said this. I can't, I can't remember actually, but I assume that this is something that has been done. That he is he, okay. re rediscovered rather than discovered for the first time. Um, but he was definitely clear on the fact that it it, it causes white deposits to appear where your silver deposits would normally appear um and right. I, god knows what the chemistry is behind that but then if it, if that is happening there must be other applications for it as well right i mean you could, yeah. you could you could essentially coat black paper with um your standard uh you know liquid emulsion uh and then use this ammonium thiocyanate process to mm -hmm. create all sorts of stuff no i don't know yeah, I think so. Probably. I mean, the usual process for this is like, you know, you develop, you overexpose the snot out of your shot and then you mm. develop it somewhat normally. And then you like, ex you bleach it, expose it, like expose it to light again and then redevelop it. Like there's a, a fairly standard reversal process. Oh, there is. Okay. Um, I didn't know about Using that. bleach and stuff, but yeah. really powerful bleach. Mm. Um, but it's a lot more involved than being just like, here's another bathless random chemical and it does a thing and it's, you know, positive. You know what, this whole, in comparison to some things, the whole ammonium thought it's very soluble uh, in water, or rather in, or in your HC110 solution. So it's actually a really simple, really simple process. Uh, although, was yeah. it ammonium thiocyanate? It was one of the other chemicals that I'm playing with that apparently is really bad for uh, oh, aquatic life. Them, right? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, yeah. So disposal of it is something I haven't figured out yet, but um, I do have a, a large bottle of stuff that i'm pretty sure it says all over everything do not pour this stuff down the drain because you will kill a million fish um yeah so so yeah i don't know what to do with it collecting it currently <laughs> just same thing as with your fixer right like yeah exactly just keep you might be just about to find out just how expensive those uh those those fake tin types really were yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I get a um, visit from the uh, yeah from the environment agency. Yeah. Um we we need to start to wind wind things down. Um and I've got something else to talk about uh, very 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 briefly. Uh and that is the upcoming analog spotlight event uh in Nottingham or Nottingham if you're in America. Um which is going to be Thank you. I wasn't uh, sure what you were saying. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm, I'm helpful that way, uh, and that's in Nottingham at the Nonsuch Studios and on the 14th and 15th of October, um, 10 to 5 on both days, and uh, it's a ticketed event. Um, I forget how much tickets are now. They're not cheap, but there's a good reason for that, and that's because there's only a limited number of people can actually get into the space, um, and there's obviously covering the cost of uh, of the hire and all those things it's uh, it's not there to um, milk money out of people and uh, there are a lot of people attending including myself uh but on, as well as myself and i'll i will take a large format camera there with me i'll have my uh my carbon adventurer uh, in bright orange just in case you don't spot it so you'll be able to see where i am but i you know, seen the glow of my camera um and the other people are going to be going there. I'm going to read out a list here. Some of these people I don't actually know that much about, but they're obviously all to do with analog photography. And you've got Vintage Visual, 
no, it says Sans Studio. No, the Sans is in capitals, so it could be Sans, but I think it's Sans. Uh, Zone Imaging, the uh, ubiquitous James Lane. Um, this is how I roll. New Grain app, JFR film, Alpha cameras, Chroma camera, Intrepid are going to be there, Solar Can, and Ilford. Ilford will be there. Yeah. Um, and, and this is the second time uh, this this event has happened. As I mentioned earlier, it happened in uh, Worcester uh, last year. Um, and uh, Nick came to that one. Nick can't make this one, which is a shame. But we do have another celebrity um, because uh, uh, Graham of uh, X of the Sunday 16 podcast, who's sort of coming back to the Sunday 16 podcast for one episode only, um, is going to be there. Um, along with Rachel, who's going to be, uh, that's Rachel Brewster-Wright of Little Vintage Photography. She's going to be doing some of the, um, some of the talks. And there will be talks. There are going to be workshops. Silverpan uh, Lab are going to be doing a talk. Uh, as I mentioned, Rachel will be doing a talk about cyanotypes. Um, there's going to be photo walks. Uh, something called Singles Meet and Greet, uh, which I'm, I'm not entirely sure what that is. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds like it could be interesting all the same. Uh, Lester Lo-Fi are going to be there, um, and there's a schedule of things going on. Is, is Sammy the Boss Camera Lady going to be there? Uh, if she's part of Lester Lo-Fi, I don't know. I don't know if she is, but it's... I don't know. She should be there, because she's amazing. She'd be hilarious. Yeah, you can, you could, yeah, you, you could, you could see that. Uh, yeah, so... Um, that is again recap on those dates is the 14th and 15th of October um, and if you want to have more details of that uh, just go to uh, just type in analogspotlight.com and that's the British European I should say spelling of uh, analog so you need to get that uh, that E in there um, weirdos uh, the, uh, you in an E I should say uh, yes. so uh, then again if you if you're if you can't spell that properly, the chances are you won't be coming. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're going to, you're not going to fly in from the States, are you? So, um, Might do. Yeah. It was a good event last year. I mean, year. but you should. It's going to be amazing if you yeah. had the marathon. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, um, so that's it. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's an event that's happening. Um, is there anything else that people might wish to get off their chest before we start um, doing shout outs and things like that? We've had enough, haven't we? We've had, um, yeah, not from me. I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've said there, there wasn't much to me before we started, and I've definitely uh, <laughs> given you everything there is. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, um, um, Nick, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show. It's been wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. Wonderful to meet you guys, uh, to meet Eric, and to meet Andrew for the first time. Um, and, yeah, and a thoroughly enjoyable experience, enjoyable chat, and uh, do do continue to watch my fumblings on YouTube. And what's the name of your YouTube channel again, just in case people haven't worked it out? The 120ist. And there's no space in between those two, isn't it? It's all one no word. No spaces. Yeah. Um, and the, the 120 is numbers, isn't it? It's correct. Not, yes. The, then Bang the 120, on. then IST. Yeah. You type that into YouTube or Google or anything, it'll pop up. That's it. And uh, you, you've, you're on Instagram to some extent, I believe. I am on Instagram and I'm also on, I am actually on Facebook um, and I am on TikTok, although I am bloody terrible at that. I'm terrible at all of them, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm all right. You need to have your six-year-old take over your TikTok. That's just all there is to it. It's like the kids do the TikToks and the rest of us are bullets. Well, no, apparently not. This is why I was, the reason I've started doing the TikTok thing is because apparently like the, for, it's, it's not cool with the kids anymore. Um, and us old folk have started to uh, 
<laughs> infested yeah and use it for like proper purposes like you know marketing and, and as it like should that. be used yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring some bring some sensible you know seriousness to this social media rubbish <laughs> um so uh have you got any sh- finally have you got any shout outs you might wish to give if should should there be somebody that you think might actually listen to the show where uh, hear you say something me yeah no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, I, uh, uh, big thanks to anybody who ever watches my videos. And, uh, you know, apologies that they're not more um, informative. Well, actually, let's uh, quickly <laughs> use, use this opportunity to, uh, because I did mention that uh, James Lane went, ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there's some other feedback in, in, in here as well, and that's uh, the one and only Shane Balkovich. Oh, yeah. um, describes you as a nice gentleman. I have so. not met Shane, although uh, that's uh, that's lovely coming from him because I think that he he is certainly somebody uh, who I would describe as inspiring. Absolutely. Um, and they, there was that documentary that was made. Obviously, he was on the show, and that was terrific. I really enjoyed that episode of the podcast. Um, but there was also a documentary about him, which I uh, had to pay for on Amazon Prime or something. I don't know, but that's cracking. I've watched that maybe 10 times, and it's just terrific. And it's just exactly the sort of guy that uh, you watch or listen to for an hour, and you want to go out and take pictures pretty much straight after. So yeah, he's great. Whenever I think of that video, I'm there thinking, live plate, live plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and we've got uh, Greg, Greg Opsk, um, and uh, he says that uh, I'm a big fan of the 120th. Um, his presentation is always no-nonsense, well-researched, hypeless. I'm looking forward to this episode. Uh, and uh, Greg, he said some lovely stuff on some of my videos, uh, very uh, complimentary. And another one person who is another in- inspiration um, uh, from whom comments are very welcome. Um, but yeah, no nonsense and no no bullshit. That's I'm, uh, that's good. I'm I'm content with those um, you know, yeah. summaries of what I do. I'm very happy with that. That's it. And then two other comments by uh, Ben Reynolds again. Um, and this his first comment was. Uh, and, and just just for context, this is a, a, I, I posted a screenshot of the four of us, um, including mm. my uh, um, my revamped, uh, renewed uh, webcam, and um, and he says, "Is the is the next job to buy decent lights, Simon?" Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, he's, 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 he doesn't seem to be too impressed with the noir look uh, that I've yeah, got from here. Moody, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and uh, his final comment is, uh, does this mean this video will go onto YouTube? No, it won't. Um, <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> um, It'll be on the TikToks. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reduce it down to like 15 seconds of us dancing uh, and then stick on TikTok. <laughs> so watch out for that. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Eric, have you got any, any shout outs? Um. I mean, always the the Heather because without her, none of this would happen. Um, and also lately, um, the local uh, photography nonprofit Ebkill East Bay Photography uh, Cooperative has been wonderful. I've started to teach workshops in Oakland. Um, I just did a, a workshop on on mounting old crazy lenses to new fancy cameras, and then in January, no February. I'll be doing a two-part uh, workshop on how to build lenses. 
um, specifically out of dollar bills because that's where I started. So they've I've started to teach workshops with them, and it's it's very they're very kind of them to let me loose in their playground and abuse their their members. So um, thank you, Ebco, and uh, just all y'all and Nick for coming on. Um, well, I'm gonna I've, I'm gonna give a shout out. I'm not entirely sure which was the correct person to give a shout out to. So it's either Ben Reynolds again um, or uh, Jimmy Hickford. Um, because it was one of those two people, I think, and apologies if it was neither of you, it was somebody else, uh, that, um, that alerted me uh, to, a, to a YouTube video where somebody said, um, somebody had done a, a YouTube video of a Mamiya, uh, possibly a C330 or some, something on those lines. And, uh, and then during, during the, this video on YouTube, um, my lens caps appeared on it. And um, and then uh, this gentleman said some very nice things about it, and it turned out that it was none other than our guest today. So yeah, uh, yeah that, that video sounds boring, but it, it, it did happen. <laughs> um, I mean, you were talking about lens caps, so yeah, they were. Uh, I bought your lens caps from the Mamiya C three thirty, and they were a very. Oh, did I get them in orange? I don't remember now. Actually, I think so. I think they were. I think I did. I think I did. I mean, yeah. they are. You know, I actually I have your orange lens caps everywhere. <laughs> within easy reach, I've probably got five or six orange, <laughs> bright orange lens caps. They are iconic. Is it? Well, I've, um, they are iconic. So I have to I have to thank those two, those two gentlemen for for starting this 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 wonderful relationship and friendship that that, that sprung from that day forward. So uh, mm. thank 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 you very much for bringing the, Nick and I together. Um, <laughs> so um, Eric, um, if anybody wants to get in touch with the oh, I'm not even, I'm going to let you pause on that one because I've got to say Why thank would they you. Do to that? Yeah, I'm going to oh let's just stop there a second because I just want to say thank you to those people that have. Uh, um, donated uh, to the show since the last time we uh, had a podcast, and we have three people that um, have donated to us via Coffee, K O F I. Uh, that's uh, K O F I dot com, and somewhere we're on there as large format photography podcast. If you uh, if you wish to buy us a coffee, and uh, the first person uh, on there is Paul Rampant, and uh, what a great name, um, Paul say, Rampant. Dude. Yeah, and uh, goes take take this uh, as some encouragement encouragement for more cog more. Oh, this is where it all goes wrong. I'm reading again. <laughs> I can't read. I can't read, but I'm going to try um, for some more podcasts in the near future. Uh, many thanks for the work you've done in the past. Very inspirational interviews and fun conversations. Um, cheers. Well, thank thank you, Ramps. Um, there and, we go. Uh, yeah, uh, Daniel uh, Daniel Sandland again um is uh, have a have a coffee for the next podcast thank you very much daniel i really appreciate that and uh finally scott mcgeeson uh love the podcast uh thanks for making great analog photo content and sharing your knowledge and passion um well thank you very much scott that's uh, very kind words there um so so that's that bit and um if somebody wishes to get in touch with us and uh, send us a, an email, which I haven't actually had any emails for ages, or I just haven't been checking them, it's one or the other. Um, so uh, if eventually you send a, uh, an email and eventually we look at it, how would they do that, Eric? Oh, I thought you were going to ask Nick. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't do that. Large format <laughs> photography podcast at gmail.com. Oh, yes. 
Nice. Well done. I'd like a pro. Someone has listened to our podcast. I have. I listened to yeah. far too many. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, Eric, um, outside of this podcast, how can people keep up with anything you might be able to? Uh, usually, I'm really only generally active on Instagram. So it's E-R-I-K-H-M-A-T-H-Y, which is also my email address as well, at gmail.com or slash that at Instagram. Excellent. I have a website, but who actually keeps websites up to date? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there is a 120th website, but I couldn't even tell you what's on there. <laughs> I should really. Do you know what I've done? I think I've, I've created like the the, stru- the website structure for each of the videos as if I'm going to like post a little bit of text and a little bit of, you know, all the photos that I took on there. But that's all that's there. It's just the structure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a skeleton of it yeah um, well I, i've i've got a website um and it's the website i use for selling things yeah i do and it's simon forster simon um which you can head over there and buy lots of lens caps loads and loads and loads of lens caps orange ones uh, especially the orange ones pro orange to be and, to and be. four by five drying racks simon yeah. well that's right at, at some point they will be on there um and i need to work on that pretty damn quick there's a couple of calculators yeah, the tilting grogulator, yeah, 2000. Um, <laughs> 2000, yeah, I mean, it's got 2000 in there somewhere, hasn't it? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a 2000, it's the future. Um, exactly. and um, so, um, yeah, so that, that's going to get on there once I've done a, a few, few more, few more tweaks to it. Um, I'm on Twitter still as Simon Four. I'm uh, and that one, Blue Sky. Uh, I think I'm down as Forster UK, uh, which is my brand name for all my uh, things that I, I, I make. Um, and yeah, we, we're in the in the on Facebook, uh, in particular in the Large Format Photography Podcast Facebook group. And Nick's in there as well, somewhere. He's never. I don't think he's ever posted anything. Um, I hide. I hide in Facebook groups. I'm terrible. Yeah. So 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 if you have any questions for Nick, you can put them into our Facebook group. Yeah. And Nick, Nick will answer them, although we don't actually know what he's going to be called. So we don't actually know what, what the that might be a step too, so, too far, Simon. I didn't say I'd answer anything, but you're welcome <laughs> to ask questions. This is it. So if you can, if you can work out work out the alias that Nick's in in our group, then you know you can ask him a question. Otherwise, he may make himself known. Hopefully, and uh, and you can say hello to him. And, and, uh, Depends on the questions. If you make them easy. Yeah. Very, very true, very true. So, uh, um, and so that's it. So, um, thank you uh, for being with again, being with us again, Nick. It's been absolutely thank you for fun. having me. It's been uh, super fun. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. That's it. And uh, thank you, Eric. And thank you, Andrew. Who's gone? Um, and we'll be back. Who knows? Um, we've, we'll certainly be back again this year. Anyway, so we, we seem to be on a bit of a roll yeah. now. Um, so uh, hopefully, you'll listen to us again next time. So goodbye. See ya. <laughs> Bye. There you go. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, dear. Yeah, you need to um, prep me for that. I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> I didn't prep you for the email address. You nailed that. So, I mean, True. I don't know. So, I, I hear you guys fumble over that on every single video, though. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. I'm screaming yeah. at the at my phone at that point. I'm like, that's what we're talking about, gmail.com. <laughs> Yeah, but Simon didn't didn't cock up your name, and that's just like there's a first for everything. How do you mean? You didn't cock up my name, Nick Davis. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we too. Have to just talk about him. You'd struggle to make a mess of that, surely.
Yeah, it's too Anglo-Saxon, that is. I, exactly. I, I, I can't, oh, I can't get yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we have the zebra guy on, though, you can just like really oh, just God. like... Nobody knows how yeah. to pronounce that. No. Yeah, it's probably something really simple like Nick. Like it looks I really think, do you know what? I, it could well be, yeah. Like the roadmate. Oh, Slovenia, like, I think is. Yeah. Nice place. Though. I've been there. Yeah. Lovely, lovely place. Oh, yeah. never oh, we, we never we never mentioned your, your Stenopaker. Um, well, Jesus Christ, I've invalidated my sponsorship deal. It's right. Well, it's it's tea time over here, um, mm -hmm. and I think it will be oh, in, for a cuppa. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and so uh, I've been misapplying that term. I've been using cuppa for coffee, and no. you know I've been made aware that cuppa is purely for tea. Oh, yes, yeah. very and much. I'm just so. going to keep using cuppa for coffee and bollocks, not bollocks, just <laughs> so I can make Simon twitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, well Nick, Nick said it perfectly, so I hope you were taking note. Said which. Yeah, you said boll bollocks in there, and you, and it, bollocks. And, I did say yeah, bollocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I thought I was very well behaved, actually. You, was... you, you, you were. I think there's only. I think I've only got uh, um, four fucks from from Eric today. I mean, um, I, there was a shit from me, definitely. Oh no, no, I yeah, that. I, that 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 I ain't got a problem with that. I ain't got a problem with F's either. But um, it's it's more of a case of, I I think if people. Some people might listen to it in the car and they may have other people with them and they might be yeah. only half listening or, yeah, they've got headphones on or whatever and then they don't and then they hear something like that and it's embarrassing and so on. Yeah. So I just, yeah, yeah. I mean, those of us that have got a vocabulary um, can manage to say words without using those words, you know, but Eric is American, <laughs> you know. Wow. So, yeah. so, hey now, hey now. See, there Simon's are... kid came on, Simon Riddle's kid came on and was swearing up a storm, so I don't want to hear <laughs> from you about it's just <laughs> the did, American didn't thing. They? That kid you know was dropping them. So, like, there are, there I, are some open-minded people, Simon, who would believe the fuck is actually a part of a vocabulary. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One, one must not fear words, Simon. They are just words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and on, on that note, I'm going to disappear. Well, thank you very much. We're going to get. I'll get this edited pretty quick. Um, it's how fast um, Andrew can get his. Um, uh, notes done he does notes i do the editing and uh and we'll uh get it out oh that's what we need um we would uh we need a cover photograph for the podcast um and it could be a, a picture of you it could be a picture of something that you've done a picture of an object that uh that, that means something to you i mean it could be a logo you know it, it but it needs to we need something from you that will fit with within with how the logo works so it's a square format and it's got lfpp down the left hand side so down the right hand side um and and it, that will be in either black or it will be in white depending on what the background color is so if, if you if you've given me something that's somewhere that's both or it's a it's a it's a mid-gray it will be rejected because be i can't use it you know <laughs> yeah. Hand. yeah yeah so um so yeah, okay if you can come up with something and uh, drop drop me, you got my email anyway. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have a, I'll come up with something. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll probably spend the next two or three hours trying to think of something that isn't just a picture of my face, and then I'll go fuck it and take a picture of me like this. Yeah, yeah. and send that yeah. to you. I think I should. I should. Large podcast on your tongue. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right with that. Yeah. Okay. All good. That then. All right. Okay, chaps, it's been great to talk to you both. Thanks, Thanks very much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a great rest of the day, fellas.
Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>